previously on Martini John. A highly, highly mutated looking bear uh, who basically, uh, who was it who said it? Uh, uh, was it has Jesus said it. It reminds him of the film uh, Prophecy. From, yeah. uh, oh, dude, uh, yes. Oh, man. Jesus bringing Prophecy. Yeah. You are now instantly friends with Dave 3D Guy. I'm just saying with yes. friends, uh, Prophecy they've, is they've one of the all-time they, greats. They've already high-fived <laughs> each other across the Twitch chat. <laughs> oh, so. Amazing. Amazing. Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 71, featuring Boogie Nights from 1997, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Spoiler alert, we all absolutely love this movie, but that did not stop us to have an argument about Quentin Tarantino and his relationship with his movies compared to Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, and of course, you know, you know how it's going to go, but it's uh, a lot of fun that we talked about it. Love this movie, love the cast, love the ensemble that he put together, uh, and the writing and the subject matter obviously is very controversial, which is why this movie, uh, got some sort of, you know, uh, mixed, mixed bag reviews or, or, or reactions to it. But we still think it's one of the great movies, uh, that was, that's been made in, in, in the last few decades. So really great to see that. And very happy to do that. Uh, okay, just a reminder that we actually record all of these podcasts. Now we record them over Twitch, which means we have audience participation, uh, mainly through the chat channel, and we do participate with you guys. And it's been a lot of fun to do that. So if you guys want to be part of the podcast recordings, uh, they usually you know happen obviously live. So the, this recording happened several weeks ago, but uh, you know now it's a podcast. Uh, but you can be be part of it. Just go to twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant and uh, you know make sure you subscribe for notifications. And if you want to subscribe to our channel as well and, and you know pay, uh, pay, pay the subscription, uh, we would appreciate it because it definitely benefits us and helps us uh, make this podcast keep going. So please do that. We would very much appreciate it. In fact, sometimes when people do that, we have giveaways where Eric does special drawings that he's done during the podcast and he gives those away as well. So we would love for you to be part of that. Um, and when we don't do a recording of a podcast itself, we actually do watch parties. Watch parties are things where we actually watch all, all of us watch a movie together. We can't turn those into podcasts because of the nature of how a watch party works. Uh, but they are a huge amount of fun. Uh, honestly, the audience, especially in the chat, gets really, really hilarious. And we would love to have you part of that. In fact, this Saturday, Saturday, July 24th, uh, we will be doing one at 3 p.m., which is usually the usual time we do them, Saturdays at 3 p.m. But this, this Saturday, the 24th, we will be doing a watch party of Beastmaster, which I think will be hilarious and a lot of fun. So look forward to seeing you there. Remember, Saturday, July 24th, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You will have to do the conversion for your own time zone. We will be doing Beastmaster. All right. That being said, for this podcast, please enjoy Boogie Nights, 1997, Paul Thomas Anderson. I um yeah I actually got to hang out and have uh, 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 some uh, lovely dinner with uh, Dave 3D um, just a few nice. uh, days ago, and uh, it is it is wonderful to interact with the world again. It's been a lovely change. It's been a little bit interesting uh, mm -hmm. because um, I went to the pet store today as I do almost every Saturday to pick up crickets for our gecko. Uh, and frozen rats for our snake. Uh, <laughs> nice. The um, the owners of the pet store were not wearing masks. 
They were no, the owners of the pet store were not wearing masks. Hmm. Yes, I think now it's become the thing that if you're a subscriber, or a subscriber, if you're if you're uh, vaccinated, you just can you'll be okay without the mask. I think that's the CDC. Um, yeah, thing. that's where, where yeah. it is. Right. Yeah, I think we're and there now, now there's a there's a they're not doing quote unquote passports in California, but there's an app that verifies that you're vaccinated. <laughs> oh well, there you go. That's handy. Yeah. Did so not, uh, did it's not passport on your phone, basically. Ah, okay. Right. Uh, uh, I and Dave asks if I've uh, gotten to go to the um, theater yet. I have not gotten to go to the theater yet, man. This is mainly because there's. Nothing that's really leaping out at me just yet. There's Quiet Place Part 2. I'm kind of interested in that. Uh, in the Heights is supposed to be great. I have not seen that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, I've been uh, feeling a little bit choosy. I've been actually looking at the uh, uh, New Beverly has uh, uh, finally reopened. And uh, I know it's going to be very uh, tough to get tickets uh, for the next couple of months. But they have, in fact, put up their new schedule. Uh mm. And, uh, like, for instance, I know you guys are excited about this. Tenet is playing tonight, and it is already oh, sold wow. out. So don't don't rush ahead, you guys. I know that you're big fans. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, But sadly for me, I will not be able to. I've watched one. that movie backwards and forwards, man. <laughs> I, uh, for people who have just uh, joined us, I am, um, I'm a giant fan of Tenet. I didn't start that way, but I have become that way. Nobody else agrees with me. That's how it goes up this. That's okay. Uh, okay. Let's hey, see. I, I want to ask a, a little technical question because I'm experimenting with something, and you, the, the 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 hosts, will not be able to hear it. But Dave 3D, since you are watching, do you hear a slight audio separation now between all of us, uh, as it should be, uh, as it should be now? And if you hear a little audio separation, let, let me know if it like sounds okay. Uh, do you mean uh, like is it coming from the left to the right speaker, that kind of thing? Yeah. So we're actually dimensional. We're dimensional now, so right. I I should be a little bit to the left, and you should be uh, Dan. You should be a little bit to the uh, right, and Eric should be kind of somewhat in the middle. Hmm. Yeah, but let me know if you hear it. I don't know if he does hear it. Uh, okay. So I'm um, I'm looking at the um as we're uh, waiting for more um people to hop on. I'm just mm -hmm. uh, going over the New Beverly schedule um uh, for the next uh. Next month, highlights include, you'll be interested in this, Eric, Liza Minnelli and uh, Robert De Niro in New York, New York. Oh, wow. Which is um, an underrated Scorsese picture. I like that movie quite a bit. After Hours. Uh, yeah. After Hours. I'm a giant fan of. Um, Tulane Blacktop, which is yeah. awesome. Um, um, a personal favorite. This, uh, this I might have to look at tickets. Uh, tickets on sale soon for uh, John Borman's Excalibur. Um, oh, featured yeah. as a, a double featured with the Sword of Lancelot, an IV tech print. Um, uh, the original uh, Dracula is coming up. And uh, let's see, there's one more that I wanted to bring up that I thought was pretty great. Oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, Rat Catcher, and we need to talk about Kevin, uh, by both by Lynn. I heard uh, that's really good. Oh, man, those are those are both really good. Uh, Rat Catcher is a real favorite of mine. That's a great, great debut picture. But I'm excited to be able to talk about going there, even if I can't actually buy tickets in time to go there. Speaking <laughs> of rat, speaking of mm -hmm. rat, uh, uh, Brady has mm -hmm. been taking guitar lessons from this guy named Frankie. And Frankie is a very good guitar player. Uh, and musician in Warren D. Martini. <laughs> no, but uh, he said he could, and and we know that Frankie every now and then plays with kind of big bands when like 
you know, there's a band yeah. member missing or whatever. And so he said he couldn't make his, he had to cancel his music lesson for next week because he's going to Minnesota. And Brady said, yeah, he's going to play at a, with a band called Rat. <laughs> and I said, you mean with the rat with two T's? And he goes, yes. <laughs> a band called Rat. That's the sequel to A Man Called Horse. No, I'm remember, not do, you remember, do you remember Rat? Do you remember Rat? <laughs> yeah, remember rat? Yeah. But that's what I meant. That's yeah. who he's playing with. Yep. Yep. No, it, the, uh... Warren Martini is the guitarist. Uh, there was another one, but he passed away like 15 years ago. So he's probably doing rhythm guitar. So, yeah. so in reality, like Chris, uh, I think you as well as I both assumed that Warren D. Martini was a made-up name along the yes. lines of, um, he, yeah, all of his other names. stars. Yes, like yes. a Mister Nougat. Yeah. <laughs> Warren D. Martini was the lead guitarist. He did great licks for Rad. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Um, and then there was another guy who started the band. He passed away. He got very sick, uh, probably fifteen years ago i don't get his name so when they do rhythm i think he does like rhythm uh your fr your friend is filling in for him yeah that's interesting but d martini also was the guitar teacher for uh dweezil zappa hmm. okay dweezil zappa frank zappa's son fantastic oh, yeah. frank zappa yes yeah um Rat Tobago, another rat. See, we've got a lot of rat in here. Uh, Dave 3D says, Dan, whatever you did with your headset is creating an echo from the others, I think. Um, uh, but good stereo oh, separation on everybody else. Oh. Um, can you, uh, is this is this echo still going on now, Dave? I noodled with my headset a little bit. I don't hear the echo. Oh, I do hear it. Hmm. I do hear it. Yeah, it's better now. Okay. Oh, no. Fixed. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what that was. Okay. No, it's still it's still there. I don't. I I do hear myself. Hmm. A little delay. Yeah. Hey, go into go into uh, uh, Dan. Go into uh, Ninja and mute yourself for a second. I will go into Ninja and mute myself. Okay. One, one two, second. three. One, two, three. Oh wait. No, that's one. not. Wait. One. Okay. Am I hitting the wrong button? Where's the? There's a microphone button in Ninja. Okay, one, two, three. Yeah, it's definitely coming from. Okay, unmute yourself. Treat yeah. yourself, right? Okay, the, it's definitely coming from you. So lower your volume a little bit. I'll lower my volume. Um, let's see. I wonder if I can just do. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Oh, that's better. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a little better. Okay, how's this? Is that any yeah. better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's better. Okay. So we're talking today about Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Uh, not, not quite Paul Thomas Anderson's debut film, but is often thought of as debut film. It was his, yeah. uh, uh, his first movie is actually called Hard Eight. Hard Eight, Hard Eight yeah. Um, which is a really good um, little indie picture um, and, uh, and should definitely be seen. But I think the Paul Thomas Anderson that we know and love really begins with Boogie Nights. That's, yes, his, yeah. that's his Hollywood debut for sure. Yes. This is a fantastic film. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Uh, remember filling on Twitter. That was and, lovely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, he has gone on since to direct uh, uh, There Will Be Blood, uh, Punch Drunk Love. Which is um, great. Magnolia. Which is great. Magnolia. Um, uh, recently, Phantom Thread, um, a, uh, uh, the one about Scientology, 
Um, the master. The master. Thank you. Uh, and uh, a, a, f- a couple others that are, are very well regarded. But was, um, was the master a documentary or? No, no the master no. is the one where it, it is. Um, uh, Philip Paul Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, mm-hmm. is sort of like a L. Ron Hubbardish kind of character in the 19th. 19- mm-hmm. 50s or so 40s late 40s 50s, 50s. um because it's post-war and walking phoenix is um was heavily traumatized by the war feels completely alienated and then uh enters into this sort of strange uh relationship relationship with um hoffman and everyone in hoffman's inner circle mm-hmm. um and it's very much um uh lifted from the the actual goings-on of scientology uh, yeah. it is not, I wouldn't say it is, an, it is a not, it's not an anti-Scientology film. And I think that people no. want, sort of wanted it to be, um, but it's, uh, it, it doesn't like, it doesn't paint a, a rosy picture of Scientology, but it's, it uses that as sort of a leverage, uh, and a leverage point to break open walking Phoenix's and, uh, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. And the, the show, the movie is more or less a, uh, a, acting two-hander tour de force like that's the reason to make the movie is because you have two of the great actors of the you know 21st century uh well if what's amazing is like if if it also is is, go ahead eric it is really but it covers a lot of the themes that he has uh covered his entire life and it's really about outsiders yeah absolutely who are outside the system and a lot of that was you know I didn't think it was dismissive of L. Ron Hubbard, they, but they hit it nail like, like the Sea Org stuff because L. Ron Hubbard had this thing called the Sea Org, mm-hmm. and that basically he did take people around, and that's how he um, built his his family and his world is through that right. the ocean liner uh, Sea Org, right. and right. Uh, I thought it was really interesting way to um, period of going in about. Uh, the outsiders. I told. Well, I, I I still hear an echo, guys. Do you hear an echo? Yeah, it's from it's from Dan. He's got to lo- lower lower your volume of your headphones. I think it's pretty low. Hang on, let me, uh, can you still hear it? I can. Let me get it a little lower. One second. I'm wondering Thanks. if his Twitch is on. My is Twitch it? is on, but I think it's muted. Oh, now, hang okay. on. Let me try it. One, two, three. How about now? One, two, three. Yeah, it's there great. you go. Twitch was no, on. It's gone. That was it. No. I can sort of hear a little bit. Okay, so now I'm getting the echo. (laughs) Okay. I should mute my Chris. Okay, how about now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's coming from Dan's setup. I don't know what's going on. Well, we'll still live with it. All right. But but it definitely is something, his themes. I think The Master is brilliant. It's one of my favorite films. There Would Be Blood, the same thing. There Would Be Blood, yeah. Yeah, and Boogie Nights really kind of starts this really – a period where it really is him being like the Robert Altman of our generation. Like this yeah, really yeah, I definitely, brilliant... I definitely think so. I think that someone else, um, this is not original thought to me, but I really liked it, is that, that he is sort of going about cataloging uh, sort of uh, American life throughout, like mid-century through the 20th, like this, the 20th century American life. Uh, is what like much like in all these different decades from you know, Boogie Nights captures a certain thing. Um, uh, you have uh, 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 the Pynchon movie he made. What's it called? Uh, with also with Phoenix uh, captures the '60s in California really well. Um, and uh, like he's he's sort of getting these little windows into uh, the 
the the American experience um, throughout his, throughout his films and largely in California too, which is, uh, yes. uh, I think is a real, real pinpoint for him. Um, I will, I'm, I, I thought about this a lot. I'm going to go on a tentative record of saying, I believe that Boogie Nights is my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Um, very close second is There Will Be Blood, which is extraordinary. But, uh, that is extraordinary, and I might actually back you up on that. I know a lot of people who love Punch Drunk Love. I mm -hmm. have the only problem with Punch Drunk Love is that I like Adam Sandler a lot, but I'm, he's just not my favorite. Mm -hmm. And I think Boogie Nights. There was such a, there was a family about it. You know, Robert Altman always talked about like everybody was kind of in a family. Yeah, and he was the head father. You know, yeah. and. And making the movies was like coming into his family. Right. And you sense that visually on the film. Right. Like all these kind of great, great. I mean, you look at when they cut through and see Don Cheadle and John C. I mean, these are some of the greatest became how the greatest he, actors. If this is his first film. How the how hell did he get those people to be in the film? Uh, I remember reading about this in Premiere Magazine when this first came out, like before the movie even came out, that a big thing, like, oh, my God, then is this guy the new Orson Welles from the word that they've gotten on the street about Boogie Nights, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, he toured around with – I'm, I'm going to get all this wrong. I'm just starting saying what I know. I don't know if this is true. But it's just, like, it's the it was the quality of the script um, that – I think also was, Mike DeLuca. And, well, yeah, just started drawing people together. Like, it was an easy thing. Like, there's so many visible characters that mm – -hmm. You know, a lot of people that were looking to make their mark, um, you know, like saw the opportunity here and really, really, really went for it. And all you needed was to land like one anchor character, one anchor actor, you know, like the Burt Reynolds character and maybe like um, um, uh, uh, Julianne Moore, who was, you know, relatively famous in the indie world anyway at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then everybody else is, you know, more or less an ingenue and like they see what can be done here. And then, uh, and then he makes the most with what he can, with what he can, money wise, which is actually an enormous amount, like because he's balancing this cast so well that it, the movie feels a lot bigger than its price tag. Um, and, right, I uh, bet you. Well, it didn't make a huge amount of money. It wasn't a giant hit, I remember. Yeah, but no. it's it's certainly grown, it's grown in stature hugely. And the reason why I say it's my favorite is because like this is like I feel um, now I don't. I don't feel this way about Jackie Brown, but Jackie Brown for a lot of people is the movie that they wish that Tarantino would get back to making. Yes. Uh, because it's the most emotionally successful movie he ever made. Right. That I, and I totally see where people come from on that. I, I, I agree with it. Um, uh, and like for me, Tarantino has gone on to make much better movies than Jackie Brown, but there's something in Jackie Brown that's really unique. That's original. He, well, he never really, well, Even I, I had some again. deep thoughts about this, obviously, as I mentioned on Twitter. Right. But the, uh, like he's, um, uh, but with, um, Paul Thomas Anderson and Boogie Nights, like he has gone on to be a much, much better filmmaker than he is in Boogie Nights. Like Boogie Nights is a pretty well-made movie. Um, but his actual technique is like light years beyond that by the time you get to Phantom Thread and there will be or blood. There Will Be Blood is a masterpiece. It's, it's an absolute, like that's an American masterpiece. Of but he also had one of the great DPs do it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's everything, everything in that movie is, is, um, is right on, right on point. But I it's think, also completely seamless. Yeah. Well, that, to the me, thing is that it Bo doesn't Bo feel Nights is entirely at all. Yeah. Like right? there's something about it, like the amount of 
long take follow shots that are in that movie without you feeling it. Well, I, I would even so go say, like, I think that what's really great about like Boogie Nights is like I'm completely emotionally entangled in Boogie Nights, unlike in like in that I never ever ever get in any of his other films ever again. Like not even remotely close. Like I love the characters. Like the characters. I love them so much, and and it's so tight. Um, and so like I mean and. Before I sound like I'm bitching about Paul Thomas Anderson, I'm not. The guy is one of the great filmmakers yeah, of all time, yeah. and I love his movies. But like, if we're if we're going to be like splitting hairs on this guy, like I would say that this movie is his skills are not at the top of their game, but he has so much love for what he is doing that he has uh, that that Altman energy you're talking about, Eric, is just alive in this movie from every single angle. I think what helps. What I think is missing in his other films, and not in a bad way, I love all his films, yep. is that when you have scenes like in Boogie Nights where <clears throat> they're talking, he's like, hey, where you press? Where you lift? There's always like, what? Can it? And they're like, let me do a backflip. And he's right. like, no, this is my look, you know? Yes, yeah, love. Right. It's this kind of, there's this underlying sense of humor. Yeah, and, playfulness, uh, right? Playfulness. Yeah. and. 100%. They're kind of making fun of some of the stuff and not making fun, but everybody was it, like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think is one of his best roles too. He was so oh, yeah. good. We're gonna get to and that. Down part, to down to a clipboard with a pen in the mouth. Oh, it's perfect. It's those little perfect. details that you see. Yeah, I um, could spend the, most of this podcast talking about yeah. how much I love Hoffman in this movie. And yeah. I would say, like it for was, me, like it was tongue in cheek, maybe. Is yeah. Well, and this is like, no. Come on, I, I want to send something from my family back. Yeah, it's it's going to be in your movie, Jack. Yeah. But this sense of humor and everyone is having so much. It's a blast. It's just a blast. And the thing is, like, but he doesn't have that kind of kind of thing. Like, well, he gets he, more. Like, he becomes more of a uh, focused artist as a filmmaker later on, and I think yeah. that that works. Great. I mean, like, I'm, there's nothing bad. I'm not going to say anything bad about There Will Be Blood. Like, that is a perfect movie, and movie. I think that one of the reasons that that works so well is that, like, it has what Boogie Nights has in a different way, which is that um, uh, 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 Daniel Plainview as a character is one of the most compelling things ever created by man. Like, it's just like, there's no one, there's no other character like that. outside of like Darth Vader, <laughs> you know, just yeah. unreal in the, the, uh, the skill that is being put into this, uh, uh, into the creation of this character. And like, not only by, um, um, uh, what's his name? Famous actor, uh, uh slipping my mind. It's embarrassing. Anyway, the guy who's playing him, very famous for Daniel being Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Um, Daniel Day Lewis is uh, is 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 un unbelievably terrific, and there will be blood. It's the best thing he ever did by a million miles. And it's also him and Anderson are sculpting it perfectly. Like they're like the entire movie is there to support Daniel Day Lewis's performance all the time, right? And making it possible and clearing the way and. He knows that he's got lightning in the bottle with this guy, and he just de delivers it 100%. And in Boogie Nights, it's sort of like it's that only he's giving that to everybody. Like he's just allowing everybody the freedom that they need to have fun with what they're doing. And so even though his filmmaking isn't as good, like, and the thing is, I, I think there are big sort of like showy, there are big showy shots. He's ripping off from I Am Cuba, you know, these like the the dive down into the pool stuff. And like, it's all this sort of like film schooly. Like I want to reference my favorite director kind of material um, that if he wasn't having so much fun would be a little bit, you'd be like, 
I don't really know why you're doing that, but okay, here it is. But because it's so much fun, it's because he loves making the movie. And that's why it feels great. You know, he's one of the, he's behind the camera as another character in Boogie Nights, you know, and he is like, he may be ripping people off, but he's having an enormous amount of fun doing it. And he cares about what's happening in the movie. And if you like compare that to like his, like, for instance, the master, like the master is very, is extremely good, but um, it doesn't get great for me until those two guys are really in the room together. Like the movie is, is very, 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 very good and very well made, but you're there for the title fight. And it isn't until the title fight happens that you're like that from, for myself that it reaches up to the, there will be blood level. Right. Um, and then you have things like, um, uh, uh, the yeah, walking Phoenix, Thomas Pynchon movie, uh, which I can't think of the name of yet. My brain is just skipping beats where I didn't really like the movie at all. The first time I've seen it. And since then I've seen it, like, I like all the scenes in it and it's very funny, but it still doesn't, it's like the opposite of Boogie Nights. Yeah, it was I'm the like, hard way or the, uh, the hell is it called? Uh, yeah, I'm still it's... embarrassed. But it's like, it's, it's super well made, right? Um, and all the little individual scenes are extremely funny and we Phoenix is hysterical and all this stuff. But unlike Boogie Nights, it doesn't all click together for me. So I don't, I never start to have fun in that movie. I just start to get kind of like impatient with it. And then when I rewatched Boogie Nights for this, I was like, oh, that's right. Shit. This is what it feels like to be in love with Paul Thomas Anderson. Like this is the, this is the stuff that if we were talking about Tarantino, I would say, this is my Jackie Brown. Like I, for all I love, there will be blood. The pure joy for me is all in Boogie Nights. So what I was doing, what I was saying when I sort of said that he's like a better Tarantino, Mm -hmm. every time Tarantino does something, it's like, Look at this. Look at this amazing filmmaking that I am doing for you and performing in front of you. Right. right. He he is like the what who's that obnoxious magician that everyone hates? Uh um, top. No, 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 no. The one who does oh, all the just, escape stuff. Sure. Yeah, like um uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Take your pick your poison, they're all pretty. No, no, the, the one the one who's like if he David puts Blaine. himself in David Blaine. Right. He's like David Blaine of filmmaking. Like he always right. wants to like show off his filmmaking prowess. Who's right? His? Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino. Right. Oh, yeah. So every time he does a shot, it's like, look at this amazing shot. Right. And in, 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 in Boogie Nights, yes, it's a little <sighs> bit cliche, et cetera. In Boogie Nights, it's perfect, beautiful filmmaking. And it doesn't take away from the story. It doesn't right. take away. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. And I think you're right. The thing that was absolutely right about this is it felt like family, which is a whole point of this film. Mm-hmm. This whole film is about family and it felt like family. And therefore you're going through the journey of being with your family. Right. And the f- camera follows it like you're in that journey. It became part of the narrative. And that's why it was never distracting in a right. lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I remember, and, go ahead. Mark. I remember literally I moved from New York to LA and I was doing, you know, the Stephen still stuff. And then I got a job at an internet company and it was in Brentwood. And that's how I met my wife. And, um, she owned the cafe downstairs, but I worked in this internet company. And I sat next to this guy named Stuart, loved the guy, had a crazy haircut and he was a programmer. One day he comes in, he's like, you know, I went to my brother-in-law's last night and saw the new cut of his movie. And I was like, oh, who is it? He's like, oh, Paul, my brother-in-law, he, <laughs> he just made another movie. And I was like, right. oh, what's it? He's like, 
I think you're going to like it, man. I was like, really? What's it called? He's called Boogie Nights. I was like, oh, well, well, is it out? He's like, no, it's not yet, but I think you're going to dig it. And I remember going to see the movie <laughs> and I came back to the office and I sat down. Stuart comes like, Stuart, holy. I was like, he is a great American filmmaker. He's like, yeah, it's cool film. Yeah, just right it? out of the gate. And I was just yeah. like, dude, that's your brother. Well, he's like, yeah, my, and I've, his wife used to come and have lunch with him. I'm like, your brother made the most incredible. <laughs> That's yeah, your brother. He is the third youngest of nine kids in the family. Yeah. Very interesting. Also, by the way, he had a very difficult relationship with his mother, and his father always supported him, which is clear in this film. Right. Yes. Yeah. That, I okay? mean, yeah, especially with Mar Marky Mark's mom, relationship to right. his mom. To his mom is Sarah iconic in this picture. Yes. Yeah. So, so let's let's ask this because there's a who there's was a, the actress? I've seen her. So she's many in a movie. Oh, that's things. Catherine uh, Keener. No, not Catherine. No, no, it's not Catherine. Catherine Keener. Keener. That's uh, I always mistake her for Catherine. She Keener. looks like it's, Catherine uh, Keener because I thought it was yeah, too. As like, that's it's not, not Catherine her. Keener. It's uh, um, she went to college with my sister Catherine Keener. It wasn't Kathleen Keener, but I've seen her. No, 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 no. I'm sorry for even saying that. Yeah, because I all, literally always make that mistake, and then I made the mistake. Betty White. Betty White. It's Betty yeah. White. Uh, it is uh, Joanna. She Gleason. never ages. <laughs> yeah, Joanna. Joanna Gleason. Uh, and she's been and... in a bunch of stuff. She's been tons and tons and tons of things. Yeah, she is absolutely fucking terrific. And she is like, it, she's, it's a small part in this movie. But like, yeah. I actually think that if you don't have her in this movie and you take out the scenes with her, no, you ruin this it. movie doesn't work at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and here's an important part of this because this is critical uh, about the film and the progress of this film. Mm -hmm. So even though it's, you know, there's only a few of us uh, uh, listening to the Twitch right now mm -hmm. and a lot of people may have seen this film, I still feel that it would do us a service to go through the movie chronologically and talk about it that way. Sure. For one, for people who have never seen the movie. Right. Uh, and two, there's a lot chronologically speaking that happens in here that would be good to break down some of those amazing yes. scenes. And as we go, that's a great point. And yep. by the way, Dan, do you know who Julianne Moore's husband is? No, it's Billy zoom. Who's that? He was the guitarist for X. Oh my God. Really? Right. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. I think that's it's, you know, know who, you know, Paul of Tan, uh, <laughs> uh, and Robert uh, Downey Jr.'s father's in it. Oh, well he's, yeah. And he, you know who the director's wife is? Maya oh Rudolph. yes, uh, I can't remember her name. Maya, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, Maya Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. totally amazing. Uh, before that's we move it. on, for anyone who is uh, listening and expecting me to leap to Tarantino's defense, I think it is a useless fight, and I'm never going to fight it again. I disagree completely, but I think it's a very good point. We could talk about why. Like, I agree with what you're saying in terms of the difference between the two filmmakers. I just don't yes. agree qualitatively. One of them is trying to show off how good a filmmaker is. The other one is trying to make a good film. I think I think that <laughs> one of them, like Tarantino to me is a far superior filmmaker than Paul Thomas Anderson, like far superior in every single way. Um, however, uh, that is to say that that's true is that's like saying like, I think that Alfred Hitchcock is a far superior filmmaker to Steven Spielberg. Like, Okay, it doesn't there's really no comparison. Mean, there's just no I real disagree comparison. with you. I disagree like, no, with no, you. I know, but you. So just to explore, just to summarize my thoughts on this. Okay, like, we're never. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just gonna make it really quick. That uh, I disagree. I obviously think that Tarantino's uh, an incredible filmmaker. I think that your your basic idea that Tarantino's 
what he is doing is about the movie itself. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. um, uh, Tarantino, what Tarantino is doing is about the movie he is making itself. And the show is the film with Tarantino. So I think you're dead on it's, accurate. Yes. And yes. so like, I don't think that I like, I think that your personal dislike of Tarantino like colors that into saying that that is okay. bad, I'm but, gonna put it, this but, is, gonna, but it is it is in fact correct. Dislike. Okay, I I, I don't. Dis- okay, <laughs> I am going to I'm going to have knocks on Tarantino. I think that Tarantino being a better filmmaker than him is debatable. Honestly, course, yeah. uh, that's just that's just my opinion. I'm just trying to clarify the one. But thing I think that, like, he's. We, you and I agree I, on what, I also, that, what what that difference is is correct, and I agree. With I you think on that, that. Like, he is. Paul a Thomas better, Anderson is making a movie about characters that uh, you connect with. Yes, right? and, and, and I, Tarantino it, is not doing that. I also believe right? I, I, in my soul. I feel that he is a better person than Tarantino, <laughs> and you know, this comes, and this it comes up in his films. No, like, so, I feel like, like, wait, like wait, a better person. I feel like a better person. We, yeah. we completely but it's agree. also I look at it as the way of like literally it's the difference between Michael Moore and Albert Maisel or the Maisel brothers I, in terms I, of documentary. I, I completely agree. Because I completely agree. one is likes to always be self-referential. He always likes to put himself in in a right. sense and and twist things because he can. I, whereas I, the other I one has, has a certain framework and a reference, and he makes films um, masterfully, but he also tries to he doesn't inject himself into that but I, those are two different types of documentaries in, right. in a sense like i was with a metaphor and i think it's either you like it or not i just yeah, think I, um, I think that i think that like i think chris you're correct in that again like i don't agree with what you're saying as in terms of like he's a better person like i don't know either of these guys they may both be total assholes however mm-hmm. like the fact is like tarantino has a character about himself that he projects that that annoys people and I think annoys you greatly and that colors how you it, see his films it, it in a negative way. Filmmaking. Well, it, it, filmmaking. well, meaning that it doesn't reflect, I, I agree that it is embedded in his filmmaking. As Let me I, just put it this way. Like, I'm, sure, I'm sure, I'm sure that Woody Allen films. is a horrible person. I'm pretty sure he is, but it doesn't reflect in his filmmaking the way it does for Tarantino. The, the, things, the things that make Tarantino into the caricature that people perceive him as are also very visible in his films. That's the yes, neutral, yes. The, the neutral yes. way to say that, right? I would say for, that's a very good way right. of saying it. So like that, that's the neutral way to, for me that like, I think he's actually, I've seen a lot of interviews with the guy and I actually think he is incredibly smart. Not denying uh, that. Yes. Like Not very, very Not interesting person. And like, I also like when you see him on, you know, on whatever, like uh, on like some shitty talk show, like he's like, he gets to an embarrassing register of sort of like, like a uh, uh, self-conscious uh, semi-narcissism. Yes, that that's very that can be very annoying. He's not like that in every interview. He's only one on really really public ones. When he's talking about movies, he is not like that. And so that makes me think that I don't know if he's actually like that as a person. But I do know I do understand it's that true. he is that that he is like his like movies. The experience of watching movies is literally his entire life, all day long, and right. that's the kind of experience that he's trying to make in his movies. And that's what that's why he does that. Whereas like Paul Thomas Anderson is. A, a, is is not so much there to make uh, the great, perfectly crafted, re- crafted reference machine that Tarantino is trying to make. He's trying to make something that is deep character, uh, rich work with actors that uh, that uh, he's working with people to construct something together, which Tarantino is not. 
right? Um, and so, like, he gets to a different kind of movie making than Tarantino does, right? I think that, like, if we're to make it all neutral, I think it's safe to say that, like, yeah, I like Tarantino's movies better. And I think that there's more to talk about them in terms of how they're made. But Paul Thomas Anderson is one of the great filmmakers of all time. And he gets at things that Tarantino doesn't even attempt. And right? the thing yeah. that's well, amazing also, that – go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. He's an, Paul Thomas Anderson is a European filmmaker in America, and mm -hmm. Tarantino is an American filmmaker in sure. America. Yeah. Much agreed. You Much know, there's a European sensibility and auteurship about P.T. Anderson that uh, he doesn't go down those self-promoting roads like uh, – Tarantino does, sure. and yep. you know, there's a lot of the public. I totally stuff, get that. But Tarantino's a brilliant, brilliant filmmaker. Don't get me wrong. And and to, and, and to say like with because like what one way to say what uh, what Anderson does is that Anderson is really novelistic in how he approaches stuff. Like mm -hmm. his movies feel like I'm reading a great novel. Like There Will Be Blood is based on a novel called Oil by Upton Sinclair, and yeah, I've Sinclair, yeah, yeah right, and it's like you know like and I I've, I've read Sinclair and I I started to read Oil. Oil didn't really catch for me like uh yeah it's, like yeah, jungle that's really good I, yeah like it's one of these things where like the, the that um that anderson took something that's a pretty good thing uh and he found a way to use that as a platform to make something even that that's much much greater and much more important culturally with there will be blood right which is just and just across the board perfect uh and i think that the like i uh i think that he has both these amazing skills as a filmmaker and he has these amazing skills as sort of like a story crafter with actors and occasionally those things line up perfectly like a lot of his movies have one thing or the other for me but don't have the thing that i want but like when they do line up like boogie nights or there will be blood or, or actually phantom threads kind of up there too i like that one a lot i like that yeah, yeah like uh where it's just like the craft and the uh, the craft of the of the of the camera and the and the staging comes together with a craft of the acting and the storytelling. Like that's there's only there's three times he's done that, and those are easily my favorite movies of his. Boogie Nights is just like on fire this way, and that's he that's what I really would. He's an amazing and masterful world builder, far yeah. better than Tarantino. He's yeah he well he's like I said like Tarantino is trying to make the movie in front of your face like he's he's doing this yeah one he's, but it's he about wants you the to be film. Away. right the yeah film but is about the film that is yeah, the, you're film, watching. the film is about the experience like I think that if you like with Tarantino if you're to if you're to find a way to enjoy Tarantino the way that I do is like he wants to create for the audience the experience of being Quentin Tarantino loving a movie like that's that's the simulation that he's trying to create for you like Tarantino. Like may or may not be whatever he's a narcissist or not a narcissist, I don't know. But like what's clear is that he loves movies more than most people on earth love anything. Like it's insane. And what he wants to do in crafting a movie is create that experience for you. So you feel like he did when he saw whatever uh Pam Greer movie in nineteen seventy five. Like he I wants he you wants to have to, that. I, no, I think he wants to do it so that you love him. And I think that's a projection from you because you don't like him. Like his movies are way more crafted. Than but that's that. a narcissistic. I mean, his narcissist. I'm not just saying that. I'm just saying as a narcissistic person, you do things because you want people. I don't know. I don't know if he's a narcissist. I've never, I've never met the guy. I don't know if he's a narcissist. All I'm saying is that like his movies stand much higher than him. Like he may be annoying in interviews, but his movies are like, even like with uh, what do you call it? Uh, his um uh with uh uh his Nazi movie 
Uh, I'm, I'm sorry for getting everything today. I can't, I like I can't know why. But um, his his World War II movie, like in particular, puts a version of himself in there as uh, uh, as uh, as a Nazi to make fun of his, of himself. Like it's just I'm a disgusting, awful, screeching pig. Like is what he says in the movie. <laughs> so like I don't think that he's in love with himself. I think he's very aware of how he negatively comes off sometimes. However, his movies don't aren't about like let's worship Quentin Tarantino. His movies are about let's worship movies. I mean, if you look at fucking uh, the last one he made with Charles Manson, like there is no greater love letter to American film than that. Whether you like it or not, like that every inch of the movie is meant to do that for you. That's what it's for. It's not there so you applaud Quentin Tarantino. You know, whereas like with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is not trying to replicate an experience that Paul Thomas Anderson had. Like Paul Thomas Anderson is trying to create and investigate an emotional world that uh, is past that he wasn't a part of, but he is interested in. And he's trying to find the humanity and history in California Americans. Like that's a different project. And it's a beautiful project that he's extremely good at. Um, and I think that like with things like Boogie Nights, like he is like he crosses over into uh, sort of Tarantino's territory in Boogie Nights. So I think there's more of a direct comparison in that. And uh, like the same kind of humor, the same kind of like, you know, like Don Cheadle in the donut store kind of scenes. Yep. And uh, and uh, filmmaking wise, he's good. Like he's very, very good. But this movie, like as it crosses over the most with what Tarantino does, you know, best like he doesn't do what tarantino does filmically as well as tarantino does but he does do something that tarantino doesn't even try to do and so like that's the like the only comparison you can make with him is to say like in boogie nights there's a scene that kind of feels tarantino-ish that's true but the reason why i like boogie nights is because of this altman-esque supply of characters as you pointed out uh, yes is just it, like if you're gonna compare him to anybody, like compare him to Robert Robin, that's totally accurate. Like Tarantino has none of this. Like there's just no point in talking about the two because they are of the, the same age. <laughs> they're, they're from the same group, and it's like, yeah, well, that's about it. You know, right. like Alt- Altman is the guy uh, that that I would say like Altman isn't even, and this is a daring thing to say for a film nerd, but uh, except for four movies. Altman is not as good a filmmaker as Paul Thomas Anderson is. No, that's that, that like, I think that's consistent, consistent. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, like there's, there's four Altman movies that are absolutely the best things made in American cinema. Uh, And then there's a bunch of other ones. (laughs) Whereas Paul Thomas Anderson, like even like the movies that I have liked less from him, you just go, this guy's fucking incredible. He's just incredible at what he does. Yeah. really really amazing yeah. and like uh, and, and for people that are interested you know obviously long goodbye uh uh mccabe and mrs miller uh you know these are the ultimate movies you should take a check out but even now paul thomas anderson talks about those movies all the time and you can see why i would say that anderson does that stuff in general slightly better than he worked for altman i think that's right yeah did he he did when altman's last movie he was had health issues and the bond company, the insurance company wouldn't cover him unless he had a DGA director sit on set with him uh, and take over in case he had a health issue. So it was right. PT Anderson. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like the, uh, those guys, I can only imagine share more or less the same artistic brain. 
in it because yeah. the room, like if, if you look at this, look at between Boogie Nights and another favorite of mine is, uh, even though it's really sloppy, is Magnolia. And uh, the love that Magnolia he feels a little bit more theatrical. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's stage and, and a little bit more Tarantino ish, shall we say? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's trying, it's more stunty. And right. I think Dave nails it's like Jackie Brown feels like it's like real characters as opposed to caricatures. Right? Absolutely like, true. That's right. And I, and I, and it's, you're dead yeah. right. Completely. Yeah, absolutely right. All yeah. right. Well, let's go. Let's go through this because it's a long movie and there's a lot to Hit discuss it. on it. But they, they, this movie was supposed to be three hours and rated NC-17, but instead <laughs> it's two and a half hours and rated R. Still, still very daring movie, uh, very daring uh, for pe uh, several people turned on movie due to the subject matter of pornography, um, which I guess is understandable. But, you know, I think the people who joined in had the foresight to see beyond that mm -hmm. and see how valuable this movie is. Mm -hmm. uh, but it starts off with a beautiful long take of a uh, 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 nightclub, uh, which, you know, can be, uh, you can see from, uh, uh La Cage Fall or, or the birdcage with mm -hmm. Mike Nichols. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just kidding. But anyway, that's like you said, it's not an uncommon thing, right? There's always, there's ton, been a ton of long takes of going inside of a nightclub. It's a very common thing done in movies, but it feels really good, really. Yeah, it's fun. Get, it's fun. Like it's, it's a Scorsese fun, fun shot. It's a Scorsese yeah. fun shot. You see the things, you see the guy trying to bounce it, and you've already introduced the character. You're introduced to uh, uh, Burt Reynolds' character. Uh, and this is, you know, this is Burt Reynolds before he got really sick and everything else. So he was still kind of, right. he's very interesting. And it's very weird that Burt Reynolds did not like this film. No, he, no. he almost, he virtually like campaigned against this film. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, right. Was, I, he saw the final cut and he was just like, I can't believe I did this. Fires his agent. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's right. amazing because he almost won an Oscar for it, um, which I don't think he's ever been nominated for one. He, yeah. Maybe for Deliverance. Maybe. I can't remember. Best yeah. Little Warehouse. Best little no, horror house. Definitely say, not. Uh, no. Definitely not uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Either. Or definitely not. But uh, he could have because he turned down <laughs> stuff like Terms of Endearment. Yeah, right. that's right. I'm. You know, that's actually interesting to point out. Because, so, like, so he doesn't really know what the fucking good movie looks like. I think that's what it comes down to. Burt Reynolds <laughs> I made. I, I like. I love Burt Reynolds. I love Burt Reynolds movies. I love even yes, shitty movies. I don't think he knows how good an actor he is. He's terrific. <laughs> the guy was terrific, and he's terrific he was so in good guys. in this movie. He's so good. It's shocking that he he would be against the movie because it's so good. Yeah, I, I think that he. I suspect what he didn't like about the movie is that his emotional arc in the movie okay. is so powerful. Uh, uh. Like he's like he is like he is so. Uh, uh, what's the word? Like he, I've never been so in touch with Burt Reynolds as a human being as I am in Boogie Nights. But it's and almost I, like it's almost like wait a minute, you know, like it's almost like you're sitting here and going, okay, I go ahead, Eric, what's up? Did the films Burt Reynolds turn down? Are you ready? Yes, <laughs> go for it, Dan. Her Majesty's Secret Service, 1969. Oh, oh man, oh, God, oh yes. man, that could turn it around. Number two. Travis Bickle, Taxi Driver, 1976. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. okay. Michael Corleone, The Godfather, 1972. Oh, Jesus. This guy, what's wrong? 
Han Solo, Star Wars, 1977. Oh, I got that. Yep. yep. That would have been John something. Ma- John McClane, Die oh Hard, 1988. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Frank T.J. Mackey, Magnolia, 1999. Right. No he was kidding. supposed to be, yeah, he was supposed that's, to be the Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. Yeah. That's wild. That's really yeah, wild. And I know but, terms of endearment, he, endearment, he turned Nicholson. down and gave it to Nicholson. He gave yeah. it to Nicholson. Right. I, I, would, I would actually go uh, and say that, uh, like, on a few of those, uh, he would have been just as good. Like, I believe that he would have been. And the, okay, people want to hop on me for this one. I bet he would have been as good as De Niro in Taxi Pretty Party. Woman. Oh, I'm sure. I, like, I he think turned that, down that Pretty time, Woman. Oh, man, yeah. that's weird. That's weird. I He's think, such a I think guy. it would have been a very different film with, 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 with Burt Reynolds in Taxi Driver. Yep. But I think it would have been very it would interesting. Have worked. That would have worked. That it would have been totally it, it had been a very different film, but a very right. interesting one. Oh yeah. man! What he turned down Cuckoo's Nest? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ! What's wrong with you? <laughs> Good Lord! He turned down Cuckoo's Nest, Star Wars, Terms of Endearment, Die Hard, Pretty Woman. That's insane. Uh, the James Bond. I love Terms Jesus. of Endearment, and I love Jack Nicholson, but it would have been I a Terms of Endearment with me. Like, would have won him an Oscar Terms, though. Yeah, like Terms of Endearment would have been better with. Um, with uh 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 with him yeah absolutely my brain is not woken up yet clearly but, i yeah, think like... han solo would have been better not been better <laughs> not been know. better yeah, know, what's funny is that they actually did a they did a screen test thing on snl with han solo done by burt reynolds do you remember right, that? right. Remember yeah, that? yeah and he's like <laughs> yeah so this guy this guy is chewing his gum and stuff all I right so that. so it starts off in the nightclub sorry we still we always get derailed starts off right, in the nightclub they go into the nightclub uh who's the who's the nightclub owner great hispanic guy uh um uh, luis guzman luis guzman totally yeah, awesome wonderful totally wonderful awesome. character actor definitely <laughs> yeah yeah he's definitely a character actor and he plays that character beautifully um and uh he's he's sorry not character actor we've gone through this debate what does he call, what do you call a person that kind of plays the same role every time or like a similar oh yeah character? yeah like i, I that's a well, for me that's a simple casting actor typecast actor typecast yes yeah. like he, he pretty much always plays Luis guzman but he is yeah, absolutely he, fucking great. which is the perfect role that he should right. be playing for this one you hire him to play that guy yep. and he sends a bunch of clams to their table which is hilarious as well oh god so good. But you know, of course, it's basically him and uh, Julianne Moore who uh, uh, skip the uh, Amber Waves. The names are amazing of the porn yep. stars, and they get to the booth and they're doing their thing. And he notices the busboy, which is played by uh, 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 Mark Wahlberg, right? Right. Very young busboy, and they don't really play up the youngness of it because he kind of may look young. But they do things in the plot that definitely make you realize, like, oh, he's just a boy. Yeah, he's, he looked, a, he's, yeah, he's a boy. He is just a boy. <laughs> right. And they do a beautiful job. And I want to get into that because this is not always successfully done where you take an actor who's, you know, supposed to pay, play someone who's like 18 and they're like mm-hmm. really like 27, right? right? So it doesn't always work. But he definitely, they do things in there. So he's doing the busboy thing. And uh, uh, Burt Reynolds clearly is like, I look for talent for my porn. Um, and he finds him and he's like, Hey, I want to talk to you. And so the guy says, well, you know, I'm busy and I want to do stuff and he's being right. loyal, right? He's being a good, good, good worker. Right. But it turns out, it's like, well, wait, why are you coming here? And you know, if those of you who live in LA, he's like, you're all the way in the Valley in Reseda, right. right? Why are you coming all the way over here? 
when you live in Torrance, which is fucking long, long That's ways away. That's a haul to go from Torrance to Reseda. It's like you can just get a busboy job anywhere in Torrance. Why are right. you coming all the way to Valley? And he's like, he's looking for something, right? He he knows that he's looking for to get into something, right? Um, and obviously he's a porn actor and he goes, well, what do you want? And then guys, he's, and, the guy, and he says five to see it, 10 for me to jerk it. I was like, really? We're on for the ride now. Okay. <laughs> I, I, like, do you want, it's like, is it five or 10? And he's like, no, nah, it's neither of those things. And then he's like, tries to explain to them. It's like, this is what I do. And I'm like, come work for me. Come work for me. He's like, I can't undo my job. Right. So it's interesting. So you get this thing. Now you start the dynamic between these two characters. Right. And you know the one guy wants to hire him. You are, you know the inevitability that's going to happen. Right. But at the same point, you now, through the film, you follow him going back to his house. And you see him uh, going through the character. Who is this kid? Who? And he's a kid. You see he's a right. kid. He walks into his bedroom in his house. And he lives at home. His mom treats him like shit. Yeah. Yells at him all the time. Right. Uh, he's working hard as a kid and not going to school, right? right? But because he's got other ideas beyond school. The mother does not accept that. She's yelling at him constantly. Well, you can but, see that the mom is projecting onto him like her lost life. Like she is like, I basically, I do not want you to succeed. I need you to be under my control because I have... For you get the strong sense that she is not living the life that she wanted to, and probably because she got pregnant with him, like, and uh, and because she is yeah, maybe. so cruel to him. Mm. The more that he expresses that he wants to live a dream, like right. she is like, "Fuck that! <laughs> right. You do not get to live the dream. I did not get to live the dream. You don't get it." Yeah, she's very very cruel. Yeah, she's a you, monster. Absolutely. You also find out that. Uh, uh, he is very good at sex. Yes. Through his girlfriend or his the girl that he's seeing, who's absolutely uh, – she's very charming, actually, which I really like about this. She's right. not some sleazy bimbo. She's a very charming girl, and she goes, I just absolutely love your cock, which is a strange thing. But the way it's put into this film, the way it's filmed, the way it's put out there is like, ah, right? Well, and the thing see, is, like, to use a more modern phrase, this movie is extremely sex positive. And I think that it's this is very great. sex positive. And like, I hate the, to say, we're going to use a lot. It. There's going to be a lot of subject matter. We're going to talk about this, which sounds like if out of context, sounds extremely sleazy. But in the context of this film, it was like, oh. it's all of this is uh, like it, like the, the things the the, the uh, in really broad strokes. What happens in this movie is innocence and happiness uh, gets corrupted into tackiness and shame and then is redeemed into innocence again like that's basically the arc the may the full arc of the movie and uh so when it comes in it's just like yes this is already about porn and like they don't pull any punches about that no they just don't have any self-consciousness about it and don't um have any language that makes that feel shameful or bad they're just right. like we're having a fucking blast this is life and sex is great and this right. is awesome you know like marky mark is not like uh, he is not, uh, he's not an arrogant guy. He is not like, nope. you know, all this, he's just like, uh, this is magic and I love sex and I'm really good at it. You know, like, right. like it's a bit pure, but it's young, also just useful think... enjoyment of everything. But he also realizes he has a talent for sex. Right. 
right? Now, a- almost on the purest level. So now at this point, I think it's the right thing to do it because I project this as people have called me out for. I project this into literally every movie that I see, especially indie films. This is where I think Paul Thomas Anderson's feelings about making art are what's happening here. Like making films and making art. Like sex in this movie is making movies is working with actors like that's what that's what he's getting in touch with i think you're absolutely right right and it's about this system is like here's like the indie film scene and then it's corrupted by mega corporations that come in and make you make trash like that's what happens in this movie yeah Yeah. but there's also once, once videotape comes in it has nothing to do with love or fun it has to do with profit and turn turn that shit around real quick and that's what happens to filmmakers i think and that's a that's the topic of a lot of filmmakers behind the scenes that's possibly true yep. and i can I, imagine i do say know, this for every single movie so maybe not <laughs> very true well definitely the true like if you read about his relationship with his mother remember he is you know number six or seven of nine kids right 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 so um he probably That's, may have felt distant from his mother is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. By, by many, so, many children. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't, well, you know, listen, I've, I've known, I've known some mothers who've had many children and definitely did not feel make their but He's kids also, feel his distant. parents were divorced. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's fair to say that. Like, how like, do you have nine kids with someone and decide to divorce that person? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's going yeah, on. Maybe there. it was a long divorce and they're still just. Well, his father also was a famous guy. Oh yeah, yeah that's he right, was. right. He was, he did some kind of. He, he had a famous horror show, and then he was right. the voiceover for like the Love Boat and stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. That's right. interesting. Yeah, because like I think that there, it is definitely the kind of thing where like his relationship, Marky Mark's relationship with his mom in that movie, is the kind of thing you don't really write unless you have you something to work out. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh yeah. This is something, and then his dad sort of sitting at the table as he's walking out the door, right? right? And, and yeah, exactly. Packing. I mean, like, and and, Mary, and, uh, and what's her name, uh, Julianne Moore, more or less becomes oh. the mother figure that he has dreamed of. And we'll get to the yes. the ancestral weirdness about yes. that, but um, but anyway, it's 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 interesting. So um, so yeah, so he has that relationship. Basically, goes back to the club, um, works at the club and uh, runs into Roller Girl, who's played by uh, Heather Graham, who's also fabulous in this movie. Um, they're all, everyone is fabulous. Um, and she pretty much, you know, tests him out, <laughs> shall we say, in the kitchen. Uh, and, uh, and then when he leaves, they invite him to come, you know, get into the car with him and take him to a diner and talk to him about the movie industry, right? That he's in, which is pornography. They all, he's very, and he's already aware of who they are and he's excited about it. He likes it, right? He's, you know, this is, to him, it's kind of exciting. And this is 1977, right? Which was interesting because I brought it up uh, in, it was like, have you seen Star Wars? Which is kind of hilarious to think about that in context, like, you know, how, how Star Wars was. Uh, like in context of this movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Like the one of my favorite lines from this movie this is a Star Wars line. Yeah. <laughs> or related to Star Wars anyway. People say I look like Han Solo. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That is yep. No, there was, an, there was another one that was really good. I wrote, I wrote it down. It was so good. Um hold on, keep going. But th- there is a thing about it though, about the American dream with that this yep. movie and there's also like don't get like so far heather, from the mic eric because heather you get graham really in school, when you get heather graham at school 
and he's not in school. And it's also about like the, what they perceive as wealth and, and being uh, wealthy and living that dream because I think he pokes fun when he's like, it's real leather. It's Italian leather. Oh, and God, all those yeah. kind of jokes. Oh, oh my yeah, God. Which, no, no. The, the, their, their, their lack of education is very, very, is a big part of the movie. And it's wonderful. Like, they're and it's it so likable. Yeah. Like, they're just lovable people where you're just like, you know, like when he's, like, they're talking okay, about Okay, so here, here are two from the movie that I just mm-hmm. love so much. I wrote it in my sketchbook as I was going. There are shadows in life, babe. It says Burt Reynolds to Ricky Jay. Oh, right. <laughs> he's, trying, he's trying to set up the lighting and the. Yeah, yeah and then when they shadows do the spy life. thing, he's you like, needed 30 minutes to set up a freaking porn shot. I mean, so. there's shadows. <laughs> there's shadows in life, babe. And That's then so the good. other one is when he's with John C. Riley and they being the detectives, and he's like, "We almost solved the case." <laughs> After they so, slap some woman and he's, they do a high five, right? Like, wow. We almost solved the case. We almost really, so it's, we, solved the case. we solved the case. No, we, yeah, almost. we almost solved the case. We almost solved the case. Yeah, like, like there's so much. That's the that's the thing is like from the from the opening from the opening shot. Like, what's really great about rewatching this movie is that like from the opening dive in through the club thing. Like, that's the only moment in your relationship with boogie nights in which you are not yet privy to how awesome these characters are. Right. right. And so the first time you see it, you're thinking, Oh, it's a really fun shot. The second time you you watch it, you go like, I love that dude. And that's funny. And this, like all these little relationships you already see are all being played out. Right. Already. Like which they're already all happening. It's yeah. all good. So it really comes down to you. You have this setup now. You basically have this kid who's going about to enter this world, right? That's where you've set it up. You've set up who the kid is and why he's there and how he suddenly is compelled to enter this world. He's got a talent. He's got a look. He's a good-looking kid. This is, by the way, was supposed to be DiCaprio who was supposed to play this role, and he had to turn it down because he was going to do some stupid-ass film called Titanic. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, it was going to be in Boogie Nights, but instead, I became the biggest star on the face of the earth. <laughs> Big mistake. Okay, good, Big choice, mistake. good choice, Leo. Good choice, Leo. Big mistake. <laughs> what are you going to do? Big mistake. Um, anyway, yeah, it, it probably did increase his, his box office value or, or his paycheck slightly. Mm-hmm. And got him into a bunch of Scorsese movies and won him an Oscar. So it might have been the right choice. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> he did the right. un Burt Reynolds. It's funny how he chose not to be like Burt and he actually uh, did the right Bert, move. Poor Burt. Yeah. Poor Burt. I support Burt even through like Malone, Stick, Sharky's Machine. I love them all. Love them all. Right. Who's the one he did with Clint Eastwood? Uh, Heat. Heat. Yep. Wait, no, what? That Heat. Yeah. With Clint the gangster Heat. thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. not not the Michael Mann movie, um, okay. but uh, the not so great Clint oh. Eastwood, um, um, right. Burt Reynolds movie, which nobody's okay. can't even remember. All right, so here is uh, here is what I'm going to do. Uh, I am we're going to start discussing the party scene, the first party scene, which was fabulous. There's mm-hmm. a lot to dissect in that scene. Let's only focus on that scene, Eric, not on the other scenes. Uh, and, and, and we're going to drain us in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and then, but before we do that, we are going to run an ad for mm-hmm. our uh, purposes. Uh, those of you who are subscribers to uh, uh, the 
uh, to our Twitch. We'll not see an ad and we'll continue to talk. We will not get into the party scene until after the ad, though. Uh, otherwise, you guys will see an ad. So we're running a two minute ad right now. There we go. All right. <clears throat> there uh, we, here we go. We're, we should be adding Can at you... this point. Nice. Uh, okay. Inherent vice. There it is. Jesus Christ. How come I couldn't remember that? Like five times. Inherent, yeah. Inherent vice. Inherent vice. Write that All stuff right. down. Uh, was City Heat. Oh, it was not Heat. It was City Heat. Oh, City Heat? Was that City Heat? What am I thinking? There's another. Oh, I've got to tell you, I've got, I've got a minute and a half. I've got to tell you, most exciting fishing uh, uh, Corbina happened on Wednesday. The best, most incredible experience. What happened? So good. Oh, yeah. Um, I caught a, uh, the biggest Corbina I've caught yet. And uh, I, I saw got, it on Facebook, I think. Yeah, and it was, uh, and I got down to the, I got down to the beach. I, the tides were high, and I kind of knew that. And I was like, okay, there may be something going on. I just have to look for it. And there was a pool of water that was that was filled in from the high tides, and I could see the fish in that pool that was eating. And I stood stood away from it for a while, and um. So what you do is you, I, I see him going back and forth inside this pool, sort of patrolling, looking for sand crabs. So I stood on one side, waited for him to come towards me, and I cast out in a 45-degree angle to sort of crosses his path, but kind of still moves away from him. And I did that several times until I finally, I, he saw it, grabbed onto it, and just, oh, it was amazing. It was basically a sight cast, and it was quite yeah, got incredible. It. Yeah, he was a big, big boy. Definitely peeled off a huge amount of line out, and uh, very—that's like the ultimate goal in fishing. And that, by the way, that fish I caught him in—I'm thinking about six to eight inches of water, yep. only about fifteen feet from the shore. That's insane. Wow. Yeah, and yeah, so it was pretty. And I had to duck down so that I wouldn't spook him. So it was kind of like it's much—it's much more like hunting than fishing in some ways. All right, we're back, guys, from the ad. I believe. So we're back. We want to, I want to, I want to throw out there. Number one, the movie I was trying to think of and I couldn't do it is uh, Inherent Vice. I don't know why it's in my mind. Dave 3D pointed out that the movie that I was looking for in my, when we were talking about Reynolds was not Heat, but City Heat with Clint Eastwood. But mm-hmm. I was also thinking of the movie Heat with Burt Reynolds, which is a separate movie. <laughs> there is another so, movie called there's Heat. There's still another movie with Ryan Reynolds called Heat. That's what I was thinking of. It just doesn't and have. Dave problem. also said that Sharky's Machine would be a good watch party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know what else came up uh, that's available on Prime is Splinter. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie. That's a really good movie. So uh, uh, I know the director of Splinter. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Ask him to come on. We'll do Splinter. We'll watch Splinter together with the director. So, that movie so, is great. So, yeah. He's Toby. Toby. Toby's the guy uh, who um, taught my wife flame. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that so, that is the that is the definition of like how to make your low budget work for you. That movie. Yeah, he was great. very smart. I mean, that's a million dollar film that looks a lot bigger than that. Great, great little horror movie. Mm-hmm. Very tight, super super nasty, really scary, really nice. Yep, all all in one gas station kind of situation, mm-hmm. right? So you've got that idea there, which was really good. Uh, okay, so um, so basically now, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, uh, what's his, I forgot his, his birth name, what it was, but anyway, 
Uh, Eddie, not Marky Mark. I'm going to go Eddie from Torrance. Eddie, Eddie from Torrance. That's right. Thank you, Eddie. So he ends up going to a party at uh, uh, at uh, uh, Jackie. What's his Jackie? Jackie. It's not Jackie Treehorn, although that's funny because that was also another pornographer. Um, the Big Lebowski. That's in Big Lebowski, but he goes at his to his house um, in Reseda, which is a very mid-century house, right? Right. This avail that love does a ton of them in that area, and uh, pool party, et cetera, et cetera. Introducing to him, this is at this point where he realizes, like, I'm out of my house. I'm no. I'm not going home anymore. And I walked into this guy's house. Right. right. So there's that journey he took. This is my, this could be my new family. Right. He's a stray dog at this point. Right. right? So, uh, or a stray cat. Uh, so he's walking in to, uh, to the house introduced to all the new characters that are going to be occupying the rest of his, the movie again, very much like family. In a lot of ways mm-hmm. here, are all these different characters. Uh, 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 what's his name? John C. Riley. Mm-hmm. <sighs> One his of relation- his best. One of, one of his relationships. Time. Okay. So what I love about that is like, he is just as young and naive as, as Marky Mark, as Marky Mark, mm-hmm. but he's telling him, I'm going to show you the ropes. And it's only because of their conversation of being slightly immature that you're really entertained by this. In fact, he did a, not as good a version of that character when he played that movie with uh will ferrell when they were brothers remember that yeah, step brothers right step brothers yeah yeah pretty funny movie but yeah, yeah it's, uh, there's it's a like, similar there's similarities to his immatureness in those, yeah. in those well movies. i think what you're, like the in boogie nights the joy of their relationship is that they are basically 11 year old boys like they're they brag without knowing what the fuck they're talking about they're exactly all about the joy of just fucking around with your friends and they and actually hysterical. love each other and they love each other 100 right and right from the beginning Yep. I'm going like to show you the ropes. Brothers. And, yeah. and, and, and John C. Ryan is like, I know more than you yeah. and fails every time. Like, yeah. I mean, like how much when can you bench? <laughs> well, it's not the how much can you bench is one thing, but it's the, the diving board scene is uh, the most adolescent and wonderful. Not even adolescent. Yeah. Pre adolescent, right? It's, it's like, incredible. did you see me do that jackknife? And it's like, yeah, let me show you what you did wrong. I'm going to do something else, which is hilarious, right? That's what he says in the movie, which is so funny. And then he's like, I'm going to do a full flip, and he fails miserably at it. And he announces full flip. Full flip, right. Yeah, that's like calling calling the home run, And he pauses, like, to just think like an Olympic athlete kind of looks and pauses before he goes. Yeah, which is what an obnoxious little kid does, right? Mm -hmm. And they are. And you realize like, oh, yeah, he is 17. That's when you made like that's when his look doesn't quite match exactly. Sure. But it totally works through the writing and the character. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It, 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 like it doesn't matter who's I mean, like it, it, it's like when I was watching Mank. I'm like, yeah, so what? Gary Oldman's 35 years older than the actual guy. Whatever. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make any right. difference. Like it's it, this is just magic. But with right? with with that, it was written in it. Like he could, like he said things like, "Oh yeah, he really is just a little, a young boy. He's a right? little boy. Yeah, he's basically a little boy. He's it's a little hysterical. boy, which is a who, and he's about to get into pornography, which is also a little disturbing. But somehow, well, because because porn in this movie is both. I mean, like yeah, they they show the making of porn and there's nudity and all this kind of stuff, but it is essentially treated. 
in this absolutely metaphorical, magical landscape way. It's just right. a family. It's I mean, this it's it's actually a movie you about see, family. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, like they're They bring up a lot of the bad things about porn too. They bring up the misogyny. They bring up oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. violence. They bring up pedophilia. There's a yeah. lot of things that come up in porn that are. But they're not serious about it. It's very topical. Well, anyway, when, the, when, the, when the movie gets serious, it's it gets serious in from that angle, but right. it doesn't uh, like it's the reality. The reality of porn is breaking the magical bubble that we've been living in, and that's why it's so threatening, right? You know, and so like the, and that's what causes things to break down for everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And you see hints of this in this opening party scene because, like, there's the, uh, the there's I don't uh, I can't remember what happens right here, but it's like the girl that ODs and stuff like this, where it's like you're still in the magical bubble, but you see these little hints of things that can go wrong, right? You know? and a lot, uh, of and so, <laughs> a lot of coke, right? And you know, so it plants the seeds early on for the disaster that is going to be coming for them and how this is all going to get ruined. Um, but in the opening bit, you're seeing entirely from Marky Mark's point of view, which is just like, this is like fucking Disneyland. This is amazing. Right. You know, nothing to be embarrassed about here. Everyone's having a good time. It's, and, it's totally and, wonderful. And I know that the gift that I have is the size of my penis mm-hmm. and that I'm a good looking kid. Right. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the, the, the guy who's, you know, the, the Colonel comes in, who's the funder of all of, uh, Jack's movies, mm-hmm. uh, asked to see his penis in a very uh, you know very direct way very direct way it's like oh i heard you have a giant cock can i see it please and i was like uh okay <laughs> and then it was like okay so it's a little bit like you know that's a funny line if you think about it but at the same time it's like oh okay here's the world i'm about to get into right and again and how- hinting oh, he puts at up some the of the money right and right. like and and the colonel like himself as a character like is one of these negative forces that comes into play. Yes. And like, there's a sketchiness about that part of the sequence that sort of, uh, it, it pre it prefigures where the movie is going, but yes. it doesn't, doesn't break the tone yet. It doesn't nope. break the tone. Like it just plays as kind of a joke. Um, but it's, 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 it's sort of setting up the rest of the real story that's going to happen. But yeah, he, but my Marky Mark is entirely guileless. And like the reaction on the Colonel's face when he sees it is sort of like, Thank you. He's, yeah, he's like he's he's containing so much emotion. He's like, thanks, and you can see his head is just exploding on the inside. You know, he's just like, oh my god, this is a like this is the greatest money maker we could possibly ask for, and other things. Right. And, I'm gonna um, be so rich because of yeah. this guy's penis. And yeah. he's trying to play it down, like you know, oh, it's very nice to meet you. Yeah, it's, it's great, you know. And inside, you know, the guy's like absolutely losing his mind. Right. And uh, and like all that's played for a little bit of a gag, and then of course later on spooky stuff happens yes we'll get to that all all get set up there but basically you know this party happens lots of long takes you get all these introductions to these characters you find out more about julianne moore's character and find out more that she is uh has a has a son and Mm -hmm. uh who's been estranged in a lot of ways and doesn't have a relationship with him uh you find out more about uh um oh uh don Cheadle's character who's a great great actor obviously Yeah, he, we used to see him at uh, around DD all the time. We used to go to that was it that brick house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rose? Brick house. No, not yeah, the Rose. He used to go to the brick house the cafe. Brick house. Yeah, Cheetah's. 
one of the greats, man. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love Cheadle. And he's Cheadle's storyline in this, and we'll get to the details later, mm-hmm. is one of my favorite aspects of this movie. And the way that, like, it's like for, for any... Everyone uh, has a storyline. Everyone's got a storyline. Everyone's got a storyline in this movie. Yeah. And you want to see a masterclass in how to track your character if you're not the main character. It's Don Cheadle in Boogie Nights. Like yeah. William H. Macy was pretty fucking good too, though. Oh yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. But like Don Cheadle, uh, essentially like gives as much attention to his character as if he is the star of that character's main, like of that character's movie, but has the control to pull it back enough that it doesn't interfere. Even though he has, I mean, like it's a very dramatic story they're a part of, um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't upend the movie. Nope. It doesn't demand too much attention from the movie. It's just there to highlight the family struggle and be a mirror to it. And Cheadle is like an absolute master at this unbelievable in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I really liked it. Uh, or like his character, but basically Don Cheadle's character is his name is Buck. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is funny. He's obviously because it's Don Cheadle, he's black, but he loves country Western and he wants to do the cowboy look, which apparently yeah. is outdated at <laughs> that so time. Good. Uh, and he's like totally into country music, which just doesn't work in 1977. Yeah, you see him like life. run his, his side gig, his day job is like selling stereos, and he's trying to play country music to advertise the stereos on an A track. Yeah, on an so oh my god! Yeah. And like, little Star Wars reference. Hey, you just like, uh, you yeah. got bass, on, and yeah. he's playing country music, and the guy's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> it's just yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's really hilarious. Uh, but anyway, so that's. That's John Don Cheadle's character. And then you also have William H. Macy's character who shows up, who is basically the AD, as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And uh and uh William H. Macy, uh his wife is a also a porn star. Mm-hmm. Uh or uh, at least played by a porn star. That was by, Nina yeah. Hartley. Yep. Nina Hartley, that's right. Yeah. And, and the things, yeah, like I actually think that uh, William H. Macy is the is the director of the movies, but this was in a time when directors were not thought of as like the main thing like that, that it broke out around that time. Like in the seventies, past the seventies directors are thought of as the great artist of the picture, like the auteur mm-hmm. theory idea. But uh, the, it shows like the, in this transition uh, sort of phase, the old schoolness of Burt Reynolds is that Burt Reynolds is the producer and to Burt Reynolds. That's who you want to be, which used to be true. Mm-hmm. Like in pre pre sixties Hollywood, it was who you, it was the producers that made the movies and the directors were technicians that came into shoot stuff and right, so yeah. uh but, so like, today, but, but in today's terms that would be an assistant director that would be an ad exactly and so they so bill bill macy for anybody who knows this you know at the business like feels like an ad uh in this movie um but i i think in the movie he's actually supposed to be the director and it's sort of a little hint to the old world that that burt reynolds comes from as a character mm-hmm. like he is the he is the papa who is making the film, right? And yes, we need a director because I'm not going to be there all the goddamn time to film stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Like, that he thinks of these things as his masterpieces. Right. And that Bill Macy comes in as a technical guy who directs the film. Right. Also, and one of the other char- things about uh, William H. Macy's character is that we are introduced to uh, his wife who is constantly having sex with other people. <laughs> which is hysterical um, so good. in in front of him mm-hmm. 
In fact, sometimes in front, in front of, of a crowd, people. Yeah, in right. front of a crowd, like literally on the parking, you know, in in a driveway with like twenty guys watching her have sex. Yeah, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He's like, "What the hell does it look like I'm doing?" Yeah, get out of yeah, here, get out of here, <laughs> right? So he's like, oh, "I can't have you know, my wife is a, a so." It's very disturbing and very funny. Extremely funny. Extremely funny. Yeah, his interchange also, with Ricky Jay is one of the great moments. Right. <laughs> and then you're also introduced to uh, um, a Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who is the sound guy, who is a very, very, very awkward character. Oh, my God. He's my favorite. He's my favorite thing. He's in the, the best in it, yeah. He's and, my favorite thing in the movie. And, and, and he comes looks, to my car. Oh, my God. He's, he looks a little sleazy. looks a little everything, right? And we'll get to that point because he's really not. He's actually one of the sweetest characters in this film. Right. Uh, but but he just looks very awkward and creepy. Yep. Um, and he walks around. And he's at the pool party. And they do this great shot where he basically looks at, you know, as a pan. You see, from his point of view, he's a pan of the people at the party, at the pool party. And then he gets tunnel vision when he sees uh, a Marky Mark. Mark. Yeah. And uh, he's like, whoa. And so he totally you know like okay he's completely enamored with that character scotty 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 is is the one man like scotty is such an avatar of self-consciousness for me that i think of scotty whenever i am feeling (laughs) self-conscious like i I immediately in fact like specifically the thing that i think of is when scotty fails to kiss marky mark Right. And then is left in his car. Is I kind of one of the most heartbreaking sure. things I've ever seen. <laughs> and when he goes in the car, I really think that was an improv scene because no, you can see the shadow of like a, it could be P.T. Anderson holding the camera. It was right. almost like let's just I let's had just an idea. It. Let me just let's just get it. Let's just get it. Like it yeah. was unscripted. Yeah, and right. I mean, we can talk about that scene. That. Basically, like at at one point in the film, after a long time, he basically tries to impress. Uh, uh, he has a crush um, on Marky Mark. He has a crush on Marky Mark. Yeah. He's trying to he's trying to impress him, and he buys a car that's similar. It's like the shitty version of the expensive shitty, car that Marky yeah, Mark bought. Marky Mark bought himself <laughs> and the a, paint was a bright, still sticky. A bright, a bright <laughs> orange Corvette, and he oh, bought God. himself a crappy like Toyota Supra, which he had <laughs> he had so painted good. had painted the same color orange just to impress Marky that Mark. That day, so he's like, it's a little sticky. It's a little and sticky he's wearing stuff. that kind of members only racing jacket. Oh, yeah. No, and then, and then he's like, then he tries to kiss him, and the guy's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then, but at the same time, it's really sweet because at this, like, although Marky Mark does not want to kiss him, clearly, mm. he's like, "What are you fuck doing, it, Scotty? On, let's, just, let's just get back to the party." Just, that was a good forget impression. It, forget it. <laughs> yeah. Doing, Scotty. Doing. Come on, come on. But then he doesn't get pissed off at him. He's like, he's like, "No, come on, we're still friends. Let's just keep going." And he's like, "Can you just kiss me on the lips, Fuck please?" Off. please. <laughs> it's so good, dude. It's like, he's trying to cover for it. Just like I, I've been, I've been drinking. A lot. I've been I've drinking been a lot. Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's just me drinking. I guess, yeah. yeah he's, the car. I was going to uh, return it if yeah. you didn't like it. Okay. And then, like, he gets in there and just starts crying, saying, I'm a fucking, fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. Like, it's so, it's very, like, it's a very sweet, funny scene, but it is heartbreaking. <laughs> so, you know what, you know. Cry in that moment. It's incredible. One of the things that, you know, the guys listening who did not, you know, know this, I, one of the movies I wanted to possibly pair this with was Happiness. 
Oh, yes. Which, al- which right. also includes Philip Seymour Hoffman playing a role of very extraordinary sleaze. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> great, great film that you we discovered can't find right now. Yeah, it is, it is. It is. It is. It is really offensive. In every it is. One way. See, of I don't argue. see. I don't, did you, did you I see don't Happiness, see Eric? Oh yeah, when it came out. At the, yeah, yeah. I saw it many uh, times. At the, it. Yeah, at the at, on Houston Street. Um, the point is, I don't see Philip Seymour Hoffman as sleazy. I just see him as kind of lost. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, no, no. I get that. I get that. I get that. I'm just saying he's he's a little creepy looking. Yeah. Right? He's By lost. design. By right. design. Yeah. But he what what's great about him. We're, is we're talking that, about uh, the other movie, not Boogie Nights, when you're talking about that, right? No, 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 no. I'm talking about Boogie Nights. Okay. In Boogie Nights, he's a little creepy looking. But you slowly start to realize he's just a little lost and a little confused. Yeah, he's a little awkward. He's a but little awkward. He's not great looking by design. Right. right. He's always wearing clothes that just make him his body too tight. Yeah. yeah. Just very a awkward. Pot belly. Yeah. Pot, yeah. Not awkward. His you know his the, his skin condition isn't great. His like he's just not looking great. Right. Yeah. So yeah. he always has a little bit of a creepy feel to him, which is not making him very approachable. But as you hear the character. You start to feel sorry and wonderful for him, right? And it's just a really kind of a, a nice thing. Like you guys, are like, oh, I feel bad for the guy. I like him, you know. Right. And he's doing his job. He's doing. I a good feel job. like he, like he is playing the uh, secretly playing the uh, gay twin brother of himself from Twister. <laughs> right yeah maybe <laughs> just like maybe. he feels that like this character scotty feels like he has like an older sibling who's really really like a powerful personality and he has been always in the shadow of that personality right and so like he uh, so he both like he has this sort of like cowed character like he's just like okay uh, all the time and then he sees marky mark and what he really like he's also mean he's attracted to Marky Mark because Marky Mark's super hot. Like he's unbelievably hot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but like what he really falls in love with is Marky Mark's confidence. Like his, just right. like his complete unselfconsciousness, uh, like in guilelessness, um, and in going forward into this, into this world that, that, you know, that, uh, uh, that Philip Seymour Hoffman wants to be a part of, but is too self-conscious to, to be a part of so yeah. he's on the wings whereas marky mark just walks in like this is a natural expression of what he believes and loves and it's impossible not to love him oh, when he does that it's just incredible yeah and just for uh, i was talking about another character that he plays in happiness and in that in that movie which is a much harsher film even <laughs> yes. than, than this film as i mentioned he plays a uh, uh basically a, a sex addict mm-hmm. who's obs- who who loves to give obscene phone calls to people and is right. extremely aggressive and is dealing with that that psychologically how to deal with that psychologically which yeah. is unbelievably disturbing and if you can find the happiness anywhere like i think it's, i do i don't I think don't, it is not available like i think like, like they took all the dvds and blu-rays and yeah, anything I, that's available I, 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 I think that like happiness yeah. is a very like i think that a lot of people today would have a lot of trouble with happiness because like for instance one of the main threads is a sympathetic a view of a pedophilia, like a pedophile. Yeah, and, someone uh, struggling, struggling with his feelings of. I dare say, pedophilia. Michael Stipe produced that, didn't he? Yeah, the, this is a. The, it is a. It's a brilliant, brilliant movie. How was um, it? 
And I don't think that, uh, like, I don't think that that movie got, I don't think it's been intentionally canceled as a bad movie and then people are trying to hide it or anything like that. Like, but God, I think they they, they want to cancel freaking the, the Blade Runner because they think it's about, uh, I want to get too off on that road, but it's just like, I think that like, if Wait this movie comes up, like, do, you, do we want to do a special edition of happiness to the, the, today? They probably go, maybe not. Let's hold on. Right. Let's no, that would never happiness. fly. No, no. Uh, uh, not, a, the, not just yet. Uh, Dan, explain to Eric why they people are want to cancel uh, Blade Runner. Oh yeah, I, I really. Uh, I'll try not to be too uh, infuriated about this, but I. It, it's indicative of how people are viewing, and then people of all ages. And this isn't a generational thing. The people of all ages are viewing movies in a, a uh, in narrow point of view in a very very narrow window uh and like i saw i saw a review of blade runner which was like i don't know why we should um uh this movie is considered such a classic when it's about a racist cop who kills slaves and i was like that's what you got from the movie like you uh, you didn't get to the end where it's about the guy realizes that he is a racist cop who kills slaves and then stops doing that, turns his life around, and in fact, essentially marries one of the people he had originally not treated as human. That because that he just realizes goes away. he's part of the problem. And the <laughs> he yes. realizes that he's part of the problem. That's the thing. Stops and the little, like, that's what he learns, and that's yeah. the good story. It's kind of like, it's kinda like okay. my, 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 sis, my, my yeah. sister's review of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's like, why are we celebrating a movie about a kid who skips school? It's like, yeah, Jesus just Christ. Like, like this, I'm. I'm like. I don't know how to have that dialogue where I'm just like. There's if there's if if you can't see that like any range of interpretation or interest in this, and you only want a character that's going to represent what you believe is your own goodness. I don't know why you're watching movies because these characters like that they don't change. Like yeah. someone comes out and says, "I'm Superman and I'm amazing and everything I do is moral and correct." That's the end of the movie. Like, congratulations. Not a very fun movie. Like you want to see movies where people actually have hard choices, go through things and turn into better, different people. So what was Marky Mark's hard choice? Marky Mark's hard choice is when he, uh, when like, like the, the, it be, it's because he is corrupted. Let's not like, skip ahead. No, yeah, no, just, I'm just saying generally what we're looking at, what we're looking for in the movie is like, he is an absolute innocence, right? And, uh, well, the, very innocent. Yeah. And the, the nature of what he is engaged in, uh, begins to corrupt him. And make him self-conscious. So his battle is his own. When his when his ego starts to bloom, it's about being able to maintain a positive ego. Right. You could know? you could you say that as soon as he says, "I'm going to start making my own choices," and rather than having my father, mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds, make choices for me, he gets in the fight. He exactly. he's kicked out of it, and yes. he realizes when he's Eric, at the Eric you're skipping ahead. Hold on, there's a no, no, he's not able to do this, man. You can't no. talk like. Like this, like we're not so much skipping ahead as we're just saying laying out where the movie is going and then looking or or looking looking at scenes in order, but like laying out where the movie is going. What it's setting up in the beginning is pure innocence. Yes, and what you're saying is that it's a coming of age movie, right? Yes, because once he really he says "fuck you, dad, I'm out of here," he's kicked out. It's only when he approaches death in that Mm -hmm. drug dealer's den, who is a completely different violent character that you've never seen at all in the movie. Right. He, you just he focuses on him for like forty five seconds, and yeah. it's just and like, it's when know. he goes through that when he goes through that trauma. That's when he becomes a new person. Like when his recovery that's from that trauma end of the is movie. where we're going. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, like, but that's like that's where this is going. Like the reason why we're setting up so much innocence now is because the movie isn't just about Marky Mark maintaining like being innocent the whole movie. Like it is about Marky Mark. Like we set up the innocence because the moment, like when it starts to, when he starts to break free from that, his ego becomes an issue and he is corrupted via this. And that's what's set up in this opening scene. Like it goes from this like completely guileless childlike Marky Mark who meets his whole family. He's just like, finally, I found a family, you know, including a mom who loves me and the mom needs a son. Like everything also is a strong plugged into father. place. What's and a strong, wrong and a strong, strong father who listens to him. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that's very important. His father listens to him. So when he talks to his, he starts talking to Burt Reynolds. He's like, you know, I'm thinking about my name. He's like, I love it. Tell me what you got to do. And suddenly he feels like he's supported. People are listening to him. He's yeah, it's contributing. The of his home life. He's right? contributing. Like it's a completely different experience than what he's dealt with at home or in anything else. And so suddenly he feels listened to and he feels special and loved. Right. Right. And, and the, the, it comes down to him doing his first sex scene, right. With Julianne Moore, who is the person with the most experience on the, on the female side of the. Yeah. And this scene. is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. This is just it is a fantastic scene. Yep. It's really hilarious. Yep. Obviously he's we're getting ready to shoot. And he is saying, is like, I want to make it really feel sexy. sexy. Right. Right. I, I just want to, make it feel like I'm really, you're really going to enjoy this mm-hmm. as opposed to, because obviously he's seen a lot of porn, right? Of course, yeah. And, and so he wants to make his sex scene feel like as special as his girlfriend felt when she right. had sex he's a, he's a giving and loving person. And so right. he feels that he has something to offer sexually. That's mm-hmm. going to be very special. Right. And he's looking at this woman who is guiding him. And caressing him and saying, it's all going to be okay. And she very much turns very maternal, which is very strange. Which is weird. (laughs) He's about to turn very sexual with her. Right. 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 It's okay, honey. It's okay. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you know, where, where, you know, like where he's asking her where to, where to come. And he's like, oh, you know, you just do it on my tits. It's okay. That's okay. You know, the way it's it's like, it's very strange. Very, very strange. It's brilliant because it's like, it's so, it's so upsetting. In like what their relationship really it's basically is. like, mom, is it okay if I come on your tits? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's so, like, yeah, this is this is what is happening. Like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like symbolically, this is what is happening. Like, that the, is exactly what's is happening. Exactly what's happening. Um, right, but like they, because like what they're doing, there's a di- there's a big difference between what is actually happening and what is symbolically happening. Right, right, and and the tension between those things is the comedy of the movie. And like, I know that, that is, sounds like, very this strange. Is completely, uh, this is completely inappropriate. Because if this were reality, it's actually horrifying. But right. what is actually happening in the film is there's there's a, the, the the symbolic elements of the film in terms of like this is about connecting and family and and supporting each other through tough times. That is the story that's happening symbolically, and then yeah. they apply it to porn, which is the opposite of that. And that's exactly. the tension. The tension is what makes the movie hysterical. Right. It's not and, trying to be a realistic anything. It's trying to right. create a situation in which you feel. Like you are, you are made to be self-conscious and awkward as an audience member because of that tension. And that's why it's funny. And that's why you care about them. It's and really, then, it's really brilliant. And you obviously see like, this is his first time doing a scene and you see everyone. Most of the point of view is you've reversed the camera and you're looking at the crew mm-hmm. shooting it. 
right? right. And they're all looking and they're all like, holy crap, because yeah. obviously this is the a, moment they realize their lives are being changed. Their lives right. are being changed. He is a very, he's going to make them a shitload of money. Like yes. literally the cinem cinematographer takes his eye away from the lens goes, is, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Right. Holy crap. Right. Huge, huge penis. Right. This is just and so right up on the lens. He changed the lens. Change the lenses. Like, he zooms in. Right. <laughs> and then you have the whole, then it all becomes really interesting because it's about the camera itself. Yep. Right. And, and the camera it, and, yeah. and the, and the, the film feeding through the camera. Right. Right. Which is right. like, you know, I, when I was doing VFX back in the day, there was, we were still shooting some film, which was kind of interesting to see. You know, changing films out, changing roles out, like doing a shot so long that you had to change roles mm -hmm. <coughs> was quite, quite interesting. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a, there's a lot going on in this scene, which I don't want to get into any more of the weird incest vibes. Happen. Yeah, yeah. It's nasty, yeah. but hysterical, <laughs> but hysterical. Right. Yeah. And they all celebrate and think, Do you oh, say my that because it's hysterical because you didn't take it seriously. You knew it was kind of fantasy. I don't. Yeah, I could because it's fantasy. Like I, I talk about this all the time, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'm happy to. I'll do the short form. Is that I think that we are in a place right now, like our interaction with how media works is kind of broken because, like, we treat, um, we treat the news as if it's a story, which it isn't, and our lives. We're encouraged to treat our lives as if they are stories, which they are not. Right. Which causes all sorts of mental trouble for everybody all over the place and actual conflict. And then we look at movies and then we criticize movies for not being realistic when they're stories. That's the idea. It's the opposite yeah. of realism. Right. Like this, yeah. this movie is not meant to be a realistic representation of stuff. It's about creating a symbolic structure that you can use to look internally about how you feel about actual feelings. It's not about saying this is what porn was like and you should have sex with your mom. That's like the, that's the opposite of what is happening. No. But it is, it is in fact using this, the, the tension between what you know to be actual reality and the metaphorical fantasy of what is happening here. The tension between those things is the pull that's happening, the nervous pull that's well, happening for you. And on. that's what makes it funny and meaningful. What's weird about it is that it's his, it's his mom mm -hmm. supporting what he's good at. Yeah, exactly. Helping him make sure he does the best at what he does. Right. And this right? is why when you when and I what I he does up, is has sex, so right. that's weird, right? Well, the thing is, like this is the this I brought it up earlier, but when I when I point out that that filmmakers often uh, consciously or unconsciously make movies about the experience of being an artist and being a filmmaker, this right. movie really, really does this specifically and intentionally because you just pointed out it uh, it goes to the uh, sort of the technical sounds of the camera. Right. And when you think of porn, you're thinking of like, that's the technical aspect of love. Right. That's sort of like, yes, these physical things are happening. This sort of like, this is like, this is yep. happening here and we're going to show these very specific things. And the love of it is gone, but this, you're seeing pornographically what is literally happening. And instead of showing you the porn that they are filming, they are showing you the technical porn of the camera. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, like, I am talking about making movies. Like my mom is supporting me. My, my metaphorical mom is supporting me in what I want to be doing. And it's you right. are in the land of watching me make movies, which is essentially the porn aspect. And that's why you're in the film click through the camera and stuff. Mm -hmm. But what you are witnessing 
is something beautiful. It's filmmaking, it's not pornography. Filmmaking, exactly. Right now, uh, we're, we're, they make a very clear point about the fact that these are not great films that they're making. Oh, terrible. But, but, they be- <laughs> but they believe it is, which is also wonderful. These people really love the art of what they do, not just because of the porn. Right. I mean, that, that's the thing, right? Burt Reynolds' character says it right, very, very, very clearly. He's like, I don't want to just make movies. I don't want to sit there and just have them, you know, have an orgasm in their movie seat which is right. hilarious uh it's like i want them to stay for the rest of the story yeah exactly he wants right. to make because i mean he's talking uh, that that's yeah. talking about movie making right i don't yeah, just want yeah. people to be excited about the explosions i want people right. to be moved by the content right, right. i don't want to really just happening. come come because they want to see godzilla versus kong i want yeah, them to exactly. actually enjoy the story which is a terrible story right uh, exactly. but and but, like in this in this movie making scene where like this is the first mm-hmm. time they have sex like the the dialogue that leads up to it is is amazing. Like the dialogue mm-hmm. that they have to say is obviously terrible, right? And on one level, they're saying these lines which are just like goofball, you know, just like where she's just like, "Well, let's see what you've got," you know, and all this kind of stuff. But right. beneath, yeah, that, if I don't get this job, I'm going to get kicked out of my I'm, apartment. <laughs> I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment, right? right. And then she like he he pulls that. But that's tongue she goes, cheek. That's a that's a giant cock. You know, and so this kind of stuff. But what's brilliant about the performances is that you can, those are the things that they're saying, but you can see in Julianne Moore's eyes and in Marky Mark's performance, the nervousness and the love and the care that they're experiencing as characters. Like they have this front end where they have to say this goofball dialogue. Uh, but because it's not about the sex, it's it's not about the sex. It's about, it's, it's about the emotions and trust and beauty of doing this thing about lost people finding a family. Yes. And so like this, like this together, like filmmaking is a family sport, man. That's what it is. Like Mm -hmm. that, like it's, it's like, it's a team event and you fall in love with the people that you make movies with. Like we all know this, like you, the, the, the kinds of, the, the incredibly intense relationships that you form extremely quickly under pressure when you're making something like a movie are things you remember for the rest of your life. You know, it's just, it's really incredible. And to capture that sort of like the intensity of not just this happening for two uh, people creating art, which is symbolically what is happening in that scene, but everybody else in the crew is also looking at this going like, this is what I came here to do. Like right. everybody is a part of this. Everybody sees the beauty in this. And that's yep. what reinvigorates literally everybody. That's the next step of the story is like Marky Mark showing up with such guilelessness and such hope and wonder and love of what he does um, without any ego. Suddenly all these other people that have been going through the motions and the technical aspects of making movie, all the, all the regular, like the day to day of doing this fucking shit. Like mm-hmm. they've been numbed by the technical aspects and they're just going through just you know, the lens and blah, 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 blah. Marky Mark shows up and suddenly they are all awakened. Like Burt Reynolds is awakened. Mar- uh, uh, Julianne Moore is awakened. Like people come to life because he's bringing love to the story. Right. right. And he's, he's a, he's a mythological character that he's like, he's like, I, I have, I have come here because you guys are all doing your job and that's fine. But I think you've forgotten why you wanted to do this job. And in this, in this one scene, it all gets turned around. Like everyone's like, from that point on, every other character is suddenly really excited, you know? And John C. Riley is like, is that the McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Mrs. Miller aspect? As soon as Mrs. Miller arrives. 
Yeah, exactly. Because, like, it's a great point. Because, like, uh, McKibben is is just fucking incredible. One of the best movies ever made. And, um, and before she shows up, like, nobody really knows what the fuck they're doing. They're just doing things. Like, they're, do- they're going through the checklist of making the town come together. But she's the one who really knows what to do, right? And he falls in love with her. And so it becomes incredibly successful. The tragedy of the movie is she is also a professional. She's not doing this because she's in love with him. And that's what makes the movie a heartbreak. But in this movie, uh, Marky Mark is love. Like he is love and joy. Well, she clearly, and says it multiple times in the movie, she is, she feels a complete maternal love for him. Yeah. You're my baby. Because he, because she lost her boy and he is the boy she he is the surrogate for for the boy right. she lost. Right, right. So, which and, is... and this is something like, and you have Heather Graham later on says, you know, like, will you be my mom? Will you be my mom, Amber? Because she wants that same feeling to come back. Right. You know, and everybody wants that connection to the thing they love most. You know, and that's like, and so that's that's what I mean. It's like this is what's symbolically going on in the story, and the also that it's literally about porn has no makes no difference. Also, Burt Reynolds treats her beautifully. Absolutely. Right, I mean, her. like, yeah. yeah, absolutely adores sugar tits. her. Sugar, yeah. she calls her sugar tits. It's like I'm looking at the foxes. That's what lady Dan I've ever used seen. to call me on the podcast. Yeah. Remember, I, that, I still call you that sometimes. I don't want to make it weird. <laughs> right. Mel Gibson calls you that. Come on, I know. <laughs> but that's Mel. That's Mel. That's Mel. <laughs> we have a special relationship. But yeah, like, <laughs> like he, he, like he loves Julianne Moore. Like he loves Julianne. Like, like it's not, I doesn't care that she's in porn. That's fantastic. Whatever he's in, mm. he loves her. Like, this is, this isn't just like my wife or my girlfriend or like, this is, she's the reason why he is a happy person, you know? Right. And it's, and like, and so Julianne Moore uh, to him is his, is his place of love. When that's in the right place, everything else is fine. Right. You know? And he sees that she is missing something in her heart that she finds in Marky Mark. And, right. and like once all these th- all, when once people all click together the way they should, it's pure happiness, you know. And it's not just like it's not uh, like it's not the it's not fake happiness. It's like people are all doing the things they want want to be doing and being a part of each other's lives in a really meaningful way and moving forward. But all that, of course, starts to go wrong. Right. Uh yeah. So anyway, it's it was really quite amazing so let's 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 skip forward so basically don't skip nope nope <laughs> we are, what, what happens is basically the movie obviously is a, is a big success and we start to have essentially a, a kind of a, a, a thematic montage of him claiming uh, climbing his fameness right right so he's climbing up in success he's wins a whole bunch of uh, awards from the adult film industry uh, and they're all talking about that and he's so uh, but, excited when he wins. He's just like, we're just going to keep on rocking and make great movies. And you're just right. like, oh, yeah, it's going to fade. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I don't know if I told you guys this story, but it's happened a long time ago and lived in our old apartment. Um, we uh, first moved in. Uh, no, uh, first our townhouse we bought. Uh, we first moved in and there was a our, our previous owner was an idiot and it basically uh, busted the line to the to the machine uh, uh the ice machine on the fridge when they moved it out and it leaked into 
the basement of our neighbor and we mm. you know, apologize. And so uh, Karen was pregnant uh, with Lily at the time, but uh, went to go down to this guy's basement to see like, you know, if anything got damaged and how we could work on everything. So she was hanging out in this guy's basement, looking around and she came back up. She goes, well, no, everything seems to be okay. But, you know, luckily we were, we cut the water and everything's fine. And she goes, however, while I was in this basement, I did see uh, two awards that were uh, on the shelf. One was for best blowjob and the other one was for best three-way. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so we had like this boogie nights moment as we're like, oh, this is, we just moved to the Valley for the first time. And our neighbor has two awards in his, yeah, in his right. basement. I mean, hey, that's yeah. good. I mean, you got to work pretty hard to get that. That's, yep. uh, that's an achievement. Say. So, but anyway, Keep so, next box style. Yeah. So, so anyway, so, um, we, uh, anyway, uh, he, he's basically when these awards and then he becomes obviously close buddies with John C. Riley, Right. Yes. And they have ideas because they're young and ambitious and they're excited of cool stuff they want to do. And they want right. to be, like basically movie actors like 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 action heroes right <laughs> right and so and they end up making uh, movies they end that, up making movies <laughs> that are basically like if you gave the two 10 year old boys a camera they would make right. this movie not minus the porn obviously but like they run around with guns and act like morons <laughs> yes in the worst way possible the worst so way good. possible but they have and the thing is like and burt reynolds is listening is like all right keep telling me you know tell me more and it's like and he's like and he, what are the names and he goes i love those because they have awesome names obviously porn yep. names are always the best yep and it says like i love those names and those are great and he's like He's like, people will buy this. This is like, you know, they will because, you know, the, that, the guys who are performing this are also the people that are watching it, right? Brock Landers, Brock angels Landers. live in my town. <laughs> right. And it's supposed that's to be it. like. That's the yeah. funniest thing. It's yeah. incredible. In yeah. Brock Landers. Brock Landers. Brock Landers. Landers. And what's, what was John C. Riley's character's name? Oh yeah, what was that? She was just perfect. It was just perfect. Brock, I totally forgot, but Brock it's like Landers. Brock Landers is genius, dude. You can't get better than that. No. Oh man, oh, man, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll look that up. It's too, it's too good. Chest, Chest Rockwell and Brock Landers. <laughs> Chest Rockwell. <laughs> Chest Rockwell. Yeah. There it is. Oh my god. Yes. Yes, and then, like, they, they, they're, like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're getting into these gunfights, but they don't dub the guns with like good fake gunshots. It's like. <laughs> like everything's wrong they're having fights that end up in punching people into empty boxes yeah, oh, yeah. it's just everything you want to see in a movie like that it's just perfect yeah. yeah it's so cheesy right so and then you know it keeps going and you start to realize that obviously it's it's ha it's very predictable right mm -hmm. you know uh, uh marky mark's character starts to get a little bit you know, out of control, a little big for big for his bitches. Yeah, once once like drugs come into the picture, drugs come into the picture, to right? Fall apart, of course, right? And so he because has this drugs. big thing because <laughs> drugs, right? So, so he's like, yeah, and he's obviously had too many, like, done way too much blow. He's actually not even blow. He's he's, he's snorting coke, uh, snorting crystal, uh, crystal like it's coke, which is even worse, right? Bad news bad news and obviously he he can barely barely get an erection because he's under so much so many drugs which is not necessarily a good thing to do when you're a porn actor yeah performance uh, anxiety 
<laughs> yeah. And so uh, he's yelling. He's like, no, no, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. And he oh, starts what yelling. That's a hard scene then. That That's is hard. That's a hard basically scene to like you, after you saw that first scene where he first goes in and they're prepping everything and they're being quote unquote super professional and he's asking questions and like, I want it to be really sexy and they're being really yep. sweet with each other. Then you see him just go off the fucking rails as Burt Reynolds fucking ramped up as Burt Reynolds is trying to do something, you mm-hmm. know, like prep the scene. He's like, Oh, we'll be ready in 20 minutes. No, I'm ready now. I'm ready to fuck now. Yeah, I'm and ready to fuck like, now. And he's like, Oh, buddy. <laughs> and he's like, you're not ready. You look like you've been up for two days. Like, ah. yeah, you look like shit. Yeah. And it's like, and then it's like, just get the fuck out, you know? And then it's just, basically that's the breakup scene. That's the one. The, where yeah, exactly. Like, and like, this is like, these are related. Like, Anyone can relate to this. Everyone has been Marky Mark in that scene sometime in their life when they're like, yeah, this when is they your rebel- fuck up this in is, this giant way. This is your rebellious phase when yeah. you're rebelling against your parents, right? right. And you've yep. done something wrong. And your parents have to, you know, you know. Yeah, oh, you, you want to? Don't want to admit yeah. it. You're acting like yeah. an asshole and double doubling down on being yeah. a dick. Yeah. Go and to your room. Like spiraling, <laughs> absolutely spiraling. Right. You know? Go like, to your like, room, like you know. No, 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 son. Go to your room. You're not going to do the <laughs> yeah, porn gonna, scene. You've done too much yeah, coke. It is. Right. Like, yeah. like, let, like up. but like, <laughs> but if you think about that, right, it's like, it's like the dad yelling at the son that he's misbehaved and he needs to go back to his room. But really what we're talking about is also a dad say, no, you're not going to have sex right now. You're going to have to wait 20 minutes to have sex because you've done too much coke. <laughs> that know, is such that, a strange way. The, the literal, the literal thing and the metaphorical thing at odds in a comical right. way. <laughs> in a very strange way, right? So that that is the the comedy of it in right. in in a lot of ways. But it was quite amazing, um, and of course, you know, the relationship with all the kids and all that stuff. Right. Oh my right. god, my my wife is making banana bread, and I can smell it. Oh like, man, I can smell from one hot, I yeah. love banana bread. I can mm. smell it over the internet. But yeah, it's uh, but yeah, that's the that's the great joy of this movie is that it's such an empathic movie. That right. even when characters are acting terribly towards one another, you you don't go, oh, what an asshole. You go, oh, I've been that asshole. Like, I know exactly yeah. this mistake. <laughs> I have done this. And it's yeah. and the shame comes back. You're like, oh, no, stop, stop talking. And it's just yep. incredible. Just great. Yeah. So it's, it is, it is, it is uh, uh, quite amazing. So. Uh, there's a, an, uh, another thing that starts to happen, which is a very important part of the movie we should get into, is you're introduced. We know that Burt Reynolds is the creative uh, behind all right. of these films. And you have the colonel, who is the one who funds the film. The colonel. And he, right, who comes in a few <laughs> times. But then you realize there's someone else behind the colonel who is also a great uh, uh uh, character was character like he always plays the same guy he also by the way for those of you who he plays the uh the librarian inspector in seinfeld who starts yelling at, at Jerry seinfeld. <laughs> yes right 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 he, he plays he plays that character with that voice and that tone every time like very authoritarian yep, yep. look to him right yep but basically the guy says the movie theaters are dead this is right. so prescient present <laughs> right now right now <laughs> right now right now movie theaters are dead right. no one's gonna go to the theaters it's all about the fucking videotapes it's now videotapes. it's all about what you can do at your house at yep. your home mm-hmm. the privacy of your own home again this right. movie is about filmmaking it's about <laughs> filmmaking so no one cares about it just put it on videotape and be right. done with it 
Right. Yeah, that guy, right. that actor's name is Philip Baker Hall, who's amazing. He's also in Magnolia as a featured actor. Is he still around? Yeah, I believe he's died. Uh, and he is also in like a Zodiac. I think he's the handwriting expert in Zodiac. Oh, right. Really, sure. really, really wonderful. And he's also the star of Hard Eight, um, the mm-hmm. debut movie for uh, Anderson. A yeah, really incredible actor. I'm not, I'm not sure. He may he may still be around. I have not seen him in something in a while. But uh, he, this is one of his – like he's a, he's a small role, but he makes a really big evil impact in this. Right. Really fantastic. And then, yes, I think it's I think it's right to point out like this is a it's a transition moment from film to videotape, and when you watch this again, like you can like you hear the same arguments going on right now, like not right. just over like between going from film to video the way that movies are shot now, but like like the but in more immediately like the it's TikTok, you, yeah, it's like the streaming streaming TikTok and YouTube versus the old school, the, the Scorsese right. school, right? Very interesting. Yes. Right. But also, ironically, right, when when uh, 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 Burt Reynolds character looks at that ridiculous spy film that they do. Right. He's like, this is my greatest work ever. Of course. Yeah. Made with love. Right. He's like, "Uh, this is the best thing ever I've ever done. And he thinks it's like his Citizen Kane. Right, and it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Right? And if you and if you can compare that to the, it had movies more... that Philip Baker Hall is offering. Yeah. Like Philip Baker Hall is uh, like he wants to bring in this other actor who's like the evil Marky Mark essentially, and the that evil guy, Marky Mark. yeah, and like he's also doing this evil Marky Mark is doing like you know uh, also doing a cop porn film like a detective porn film. Only now the, he's pointing a gun at the girl's head while she's going down on the him, and you're is like. Real. The violence is real. You're like, what the fuck is that? Only that's the that's what Phil Baker Hall represents. You're just like, nobody wants this. This is terrible. Like this mm-hmm. is the future. It's fucking nightmarish, right? And right. Uh, and so like against that, angels live in my town. You're like the romance of old film, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's the glory days. Right well, it's there. also him. Like I want it to feel sexy, right? It's I not misogynistic as as much, right? So yeah, exactly. It's like it's just pure love and enjoyment, and like that's right. the like that's I mean that's that's the argument of the movie, right? I mean, in, ter- in terms of anyway, movie making, it's just like don't do it for the dollars, do it for the love, you know. And don't right. make don't do it. Made, don't do these things because it makes you famous. Do these things because you don't don't want to do anything else you know and so like and so people you know, even for um uh Luis guzman you know his minor little character arc is like he thinks he wants to be in porn right and he keeps on asking for oh just give me put me in there jack put me in there you know and and jack's like yeah one of these days one of these days and then you finally see him in angels as a bartender in angels <laughs> live in my town you're like yes. they keep staring at the camera like mrs scorsese <laughs> Oh, yes. So like you feel really happy for him, you know. You're just like, yes. yeah. You're like, he made it. He made it to where he wanted to be. It's so good. It's so oh, it's incredible. But anyway, that 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 thing about like it's all going to Betamax, not Betamax, yep. VHS because VHS, Betamax, yeah. Because that's that's why Betamax lost is because they didn't want to license porn, which is yep. porn. That's exactly. You know, Betamax was arguably a much better format than VHS. It right. was. Yes, it was. Yep. yep. So I had a Betamax player in our house because it was better when we were kids. It's better, it's better quality, smaller and better quality. What do you want? Mm-hmm. We, had two. we had a porn. we had a VHS for the porn, and then we had a Betamax for the Disney films. That's it. Right. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's best. I mean, that, it's basically the same now, only with streaming. 
<laughs> yep. Yep. So, uh, so right. So then anyway, so that's, that's basically uh, the, the, the premonition things are going to change. This is a point in the movie where you realize, like, I mean, this movie is like a perfect five act play. Like it's yep. like exactly Agreed. things are about to change right now. You know, videotapes are coming in. Uh, uh, Dirk Diggler is leaves the house. Uh, and then, uh, and you know, shit's changing, right? The limo Julie, scene. The, the limo. The, the limo. Okay. So that, that Maybe. is, so, so that's, that it, it, there's two scenes that happen simultaneously in the film at this point. He, first of all, l there's a slow arc of his, there's a slow an arc of, his, of, uh, of uh, Dirk Dickler or Marky Mark's character happening, right? He, le after he leaves uh, uh, Burt Reynolds, he slowly goes down the road of thinking he's cool, tries to sign a record deal. And oh, he's man. the worst, which is John funny. John C. Riley. John C. Riley and him, like they're, they're recording, they're recording tapes of them trying to. Was uh, it Zach Penn? It's Zach so Penn, funny. and so and funny. the and the song they're trying to uh, pitch is "You Got the Power." You got the power, and that is from the Transformers movie. <laughs> right, <laughs> that is and, unbelievable. And Marky Bark, who was in a band, cool. is doing a really good job of singing. Yeah. Marky Bark was a professional musician at one point, right? And, and 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 he yes because he was uh was it boy no what was his band uh, uh it's marky uh, mark the funky bunch monkey right uh but uh ter terrible terrible stuff oh, and it's they awful. think it's the best and they're, and and they're all cooked their up right and they're right. yelling at the at zach penn you know because they're like you know like, take the bass up yeah take the bass up take the bass up and you guys like they're listening to it on their phones and like it sounds like shit and they're just like you're mixing it wrong right and then they can't even afford to buy the tapes that they recorded and so they're yelling at the dude who owns the, rec the recording studio and saying things like yeah you may own those tapes but the magic on those tapes is ours <laughs> hey hey that's a yp not an mp not an mp <laughs> what, what did you just see it's like, that's, a, that's, a YP. that's a your problem not a my problem he's like okay so all this technical talk okay <laughs> oh my god so funny so good so funny so good, so good. like it this is all like everybody who's ever tried to you know go through the hollywood experience like you've been that guy you've been you've been on both ends of this argument no just yes, like you have yeah <laughs> like it's just a stare so funny no so 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 funny uh so anyway they basically uh uh you know have their 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 moments as you say, uh, and they st slowly start to spiral downhill. Their money goes away. Uh, uh, Jack, uh, Burt Reynolds' character, starts to do videotapes. The and it we're close. Oh, a couple other things happen, uh, which are traumatic. Uh, William H Macy uh, uh, decides to shoot his wife right at New Year's Eve, uh, yep. 1980. And then shoot uh, himself. And then shoot himself. So there's mm -hmm. a murder-suicide that happens because she's having sex with some guy in a room again during a party at Jack's house, of course, because there's a party in, mm -hmm. in there. That's quite New Year's Eve party. Yeah, New Year's Eve party. That's that quite a great. Traumatic. That's a really masterful scene. The camera oh, following yeah. that. Huge long great. take. The, yeah. Whoever the steady cam operator on this You're should really be uh, uh, applauded because huge, huge, huge long take of him yep. methodically going to his car, getting a gun out of the glove compartment, loading the gun, and, mm -hmm. and walking back in, leaving the champagne glass on the hood of his car. I was yep. just about uh, to say that's the first yeah. time. Little I touches, that. man. So good. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So good. 
Yep. Because he had a champagne glass because he was about to do a New Year's toast. But decides instead of doing a New Year's toast, he's going to leave the champagne glass on the hood of his car, get a gun out of the glove box, and shoot his wife, and then kill himself. Yeah, everything goes Amazing. bad. At that party. Yeah, it's Amazing. It's just great. Amazing. Like that, that's also the Scotty cries the carb uh, uh, sequence, I believe. Yes. Yeah. You know, where a it's just of... like every all the bad things happen, and it says the big banner. It says uh, goodbye, seventies, hello, eighties. Of course, face yes. out. So it looks like hell, eighties. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like. Here we go. Right. And then <laughs> obviously the now they're doing porn scenes uh, mm. with 80s characters. Man. And the class of people, the way that people look is very different. Yeah. Right. It's, the, this is bad. This is the, bad. The women are have huge uh, boob jobs, right? Yep. So they look like they've got fish bowls for boobs, right? Yep. Like that, like, and, and that is very much by design. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They look like plastic as opposed to everything's artificial. Everything Julianne is Moore and weird. No love. No love. No, yeah. no, no weirdness. No, uh, I don't want to say authenticity, but it yeah. feels but there's, no, there, there's no authenticity. It's all, it's right. all purely surface material. Right. And there's that great line where these two women are like, just, uh, it's like, it's like, I kind of want them to put it up my ass. Do you want it up your ass? Okay, fine. I have it up your ass. You know, like yeah. the way they say <laughs> that line. Just- I don't give a shit. Yeah. Right. You know, and then no there's that line the where, where, where he's talking to his, to his DP, who's also the editor before. He's like, this is one of your best pieces. And then he goes back and like, how is it? Yeah, he goes, how is it? It's like, it is what it is. It is All what right. it is. And then they, and he walks through a warehouse full of VHS tapes of right. movies. Right. right. And so that's, that's basically the, 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 the it's hell it's hell you the downfall hell. of him trying to bank the big the big movie it's right. that's what it is right and so. marky mark is still winning um you know best so-and-so awards but now right. he's like completely unenthusiastic and acting like it's like yeah thanks of course you know right. and like and all of the like all of the goodness and energy uh that he brought to the table has just been completely right. blown away and there is thanks a very hilarious and drugs, yep. lots of drugs. And then, of course, there is a very hilarious scene where Julianne Moore decides she's going to be a documentary filmmaker. Oh, it's so good. It's a, And it's so sort of tragic and sweet. The movie it's is so tragic sweet. and sweet. Yeah. Right? Because, like, he, she's making a movie about how much she loves Marky Mark. Right? right. And the distance between what you know she is making and where you see Marky Mark going, you're just like – you're losing your son all over again. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's so, it's so sweet and sad. And, and she's, she's making this little elegy for how awesome he is. Right. And she's basically talking about, you know, the, the nature of the film yep. industry and how great he is as a person, because he's obviously famous in the porn industry. Yep. And she's shooting these shots at the, fucking la river la river it's, yeah. it's so crazy it's so, so sunset she says, shots at she the sunset river. shot and she's like shot Gorgeous. on him and then she pans away at a mountain of trash it's amazing it's and amazing. a decrepit view of the la river yeah and it's, it's like somehow is supposed to be dramatic i'm like <laughs> And in a in a meta way, it is like you're like, oh man, this is this is uh, this is incredibly sweet. It's incredibly sweet, and it's it it is at odds with where we know the movie is going, and it makes you right. want that to return. You know, where you're just right. like, oh man, like yeah, Marky, this is what Marky Mark brought to her life. Uh, there is a little bit of that. I was thinking about like, there's a little bit of Marky Mark, like him as because he was kind of like that guy who was a little bit of an asshole when he got too big for his bridges. Right. Yeah, and right. we had to deal with that. Yes. Right? That was the whole point of entourage was about that 
that, yeah, that, that experience, right. that experience. Exactly. Right? right. So there's a little bit of that in there because when he goes to the documentary and he's talking about himself and about how awesome he is. And then there's that, of course, that amazing scene that's in the documentary where he's talking about how he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And that because Jack lets him do that. And Jack says, no, I don't let you block your I own sex scenes. Yeah. <laughs> the best. It's little Jack, no, swipe. I don't get to, I don't, you don't no, get to block your own sex scenes. And it's like, that was so wonderful. Your documentary was great. You know, that part where he says, I don't no, get to do that. Funny. Maybe we don't cut that out. It's like, okay. Yeah. I was thinking about that. It's no, like, man. Yeah. So good. So hilarious. So yeah. hilarious. Um, yes. So anyway, so they, they, um, that that's goes down a hill, but then clearly things go really wrong. Right. Yep. Uh, really wrong. And then they do this montage of two of how wrong both of their lives have gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, the scene involves basically um, Burt Reynolds and, Roller Girl, who is mm-hmm. Heather Graham. We haven't really talked about her too much, but she's quite an amazing character in this yeah, as she's well. Great. Right. Fantastic. Um, and um, basically, the that that setup is he's deciding to try to do something new because he's bored with doing fucking VHS tapes uh, and does basically quote unquote reality TV. Right. Right. With uh, with Heather Graham, where he's going to drive around in a limo, pick up some guy off the street, and that guy off the street is going to have sex with her in a car. With sex with gonna... a porn star in a limo. Right. Porn that's star in a limo. That's right. the whole idea. Right. While that's happening, uh, uh, Marky Mark's character is completely out of cash. Blo- two blocks away. Two blocks away, completely yep. out of cash, basically becoming a male prostitute. He's waiting... back where he was in the beginning of the movie, only right. depressed. Only not working as as a best boy. He's literally on the side of the road. Yeah. Uh, pick- I mean, he's, he's like, a guy picks him up and he's just like, well, $5 just to see it and like you know, $10 right. to blah, blah, blah. And you're right. just like, this exactly, this is exactly what he was doing out of the back of the restaurant. Right. Right. Only now all of the possibility and love is gone from this. Right. Like, it's so all these, these two things are intercut with each other mm-hmm. with a very, very dark music playing over yeah exactly over the same thing so you realize this is the lowest point now like i said this is the perfect five act play right so this is the low point right this is this is how bad it gets this is when we hit bottom right we had complete bottom right so you think okay so the two of them the guy they pick up some guy on hollywood boulevard uh he comes in he's a college student who was in her class who turns turns out was in high school with her yep right uh, and mocking he says, her. And, yeah, mocking her. and mocking her and he goes, Oh, I remember you. And he starts calling her by her real name. Right. And she get a degree because of him. Yeah. Right. 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 And so she, uh, you know, she starts having sex with him. He's terrible at sex. Yeah. And he's really rough and he's a jerk. He's rough and jerk right. and, and a jerk. And of course, uh, 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 Burt Reynolds character, like, yeah. character is like, he's trying to direct him. Right, but he's like, can't. He's an it, amateur. He doesn't know girl. what the, the. He's like, no, I'm just gonna have. I'm gonna. Just have, yeah, don't I'm like. Don't have. you know what you're doing here? This that's Roller Girl. I mean, that's, like, yeah, like, yeah. she's a she's a dream star. What what are you doing? Like, and then there's like, like trying to do, and then she basically just gets pissed off, puts him off, and then the guy in the in the limo the, the starts yelling at them, says, like, "You guys suck, and you don't even make good films anyway." Right, and they at which point they pull over, and Burt Reynolds starts beating the shit out of him. Yep, 
and uh, insult because he insults me like everything that Bertmold stands for. Right, Bertmold takes a crack at him, and then right. Roller Girl comes in and really remember Roller Girl is called Roller Girl because she rolls roller skates the whole time, and she beats him on the head with roller skates on, yeah. which is not good. Really, yeah, that's, that's going to the hospital. That's yeah. that's scarred fair forever. In his face. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what happened to the yeah. kid in the, North Korea the, the who pure, came back in a body bag. Right, like that's the right. pure happiness of Roller Girl mm-hmm. is now we're at the opposite end, where mm-hmm. she's just rage and revenge and hate and bitterness. Mm-hmm. Everything has been flipped. It's the absolute right. like a VFX artist. Yeah, right. exactly, man. Like we're we're right. we're at the, we're at the 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 bottom of everybody's journey right now. Right, and while she's beating up someone, and they're at the lowest point. Marky Mark is uh, being tricked into doing this because there's a bunch of rednecks and they all want to beat him up for being gay. Right. And so he gets beat up in a parking lot by a bunch of rednecks because he's uh, uh, trying to basically be a male prostitute. So it's all bad, right? Bad, bad, bad. Right. All while this is happening, this is all in the same One big mix. Good music. Good yep. music all happening. We basically Driver's have Don, seat. Woo, 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 woo. Don, <laughs> Don right. Cheadle's character. Don Cheadle's who, character. This who, is and who's also at the lowest point of his life right. because he wants to open a stereo store and just got denied a loan. Because right? he is married to and is having a baby with a porn star. They're both and he porn is a porn stars, star too. Right? right? They're both porn stars, and he and just said, want, we like, can't we, we can't loan money to people associated with pornography. Like, but I'm not. I'm not a. I'm an actor. I'm an actor. He's trying to do that, and they won't do it. So. He's very upset about it. So finally, he realizes his wife is pregnant. It's the middle of the night. But they're going to make she, it work anyway. Like there's a hopeful conversation. There's a very hopeful conversation, and they're very sweet together. Yes, absolutely. They're a great couple. Very, Incredible. Very great couple. Very. So is together. the other one. Chocolate Love was so good with her. Oh husband. yeah, so good, so good. Oh my like, God. Cheadle's entire couple. journey yeah. as a character is marvelous because like, he's so he's so self conscious and he's just looking for a way to express himself the whole time. And, and so like he's oh, trying all these weird the styles to try to like maybe I'll Love. be a cowboy or maybe I'll be a, and what he's doing like the Stevie Wonder then the eighties Stevie Wonder look and then like he just pulls that off when he meets uh, when he meets her and he just pulls that uh, the the fake wig off. Yeah. Then you're like he really did meet the right person. Right. <laughs> you know, you just love him for who he is. It's yeah, it's absolutely awesome. So when it comes to the the donut uh, store scene, like this is the one remaining hopeful element of the movie right. is their relationship and the fact that they're got a, they got a baby on the way. It, this is this is also you've just gone through this journey of these two people at their lowest point, mm-hmm. and you realize he is at that lowest point yes. too. Right, and he just has a pregnant wife in the car and she wants a dozen donuts in Sonoma right. night. And right. it's a very long scene. And the, Those... and the whole, and the emotional buildup for all of this is essentially setting up Don Cheadle to like, to lose everything. Right. right. Like you, 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 you're going into the scene guy, like he's going to pay the price for everybody right. else's mistake. You go into a donut shop in the middle of the night, something's going to happen in the movie, right? right? This is the he's wearing a white suit, a completely white suit. Right, he's wearing a white suit. And this is the most Tarantino scene of all of them. Absolutely. It is. Right? Yep. right? So so he goes in there, he's talking to the guy, he's discussing literally every donut that's going through. This is, this is very long. It takes a mm-hmm. long time to get to where it goes. And of course, a guy walks into the, to the donut shop and robs it. 
A fly fisherman, by the way. That's yeah, true. He, he right? couldn't catch a Corbina. Yeah. So this guy walks in, <laughs> he's got a gun, everybody. and he's like, give me all the money in the cash register. Starts yelling at the guys, says, no, get me out of the money in the safe. There is one other person that's sitting in the, in the, in the donut shop who is, you know, let's say white guy. Redneckish. Redneckish. Yeah. Redneckish. Who basically has a concealed weapon. Mm-hmm. At which point Don Cheadle notices them and he's like terrified. It's like, don't, 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 don't. And again, the most Tarantino thing happens while the guy is about to hand the money to the character. One guy shoots the other guy. Basically it's all three people get shot in there except for Don Cheadle. Yeah. yeah. The, Everybody the gunman, the gunman <laughs> gets shot. The register guy gets shot, and and it's a like a boom, boom, boom situation. And the 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 uh, the, the guy, the redneck character, gets shot. They're all dead. And there's a giant. And there's a bag. giant amount of blood on his yeah. white suit, right. all over his right. face and right. and brains, shit everywhere. Hmm. And there's a giant bag of money on the floor, and he's looking at it. No one's alive in the store. Right. And he just slowly stares at that bag of money. And he knows that's that the that end money of the can change their that lives. That is that is the end of the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and we'll get to the next part, right? So now at this point, they're all in bad shape. And we lead to one of the most interesting scenes, I think, in the film, which is basically when the stupid boys who they who's the third character who Thomas Jane, as Day Three points out, that's Thomas Jane who this is one of his great roles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So great. he is a male stripper mm-hmm. uh, in the movie. Uh, well, we, you know, that, that's what at least what he tells us he is. And him and uh, uh, John C. Riley and Marky Mark, they all are compadres and huge drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're always doing a ton of coke and they're always out of money. Right. So because they, of the coke, <laughs> because of the coke. And they're also, unbelievably <laughs> dumb all of yes. them yeah bunch of idiots dumb. and they're about and to they, do something they, really they, dumb <laughs> they said i have this great idea of how we're going to get a bunch of money and it's like okay how are we going to do it it's like okay there's a guy i know huh? he always buys drugs we're going to go to his house rich guy rich guy we're going to give him a half a k or half a key mm-hmm. of of coke except we're not going to give him coke we're going to give him baking soda and we're going to ask for five grand right that's my that's literally his plan. that's it this is the big this is the big steal this, this is a big plan <laughs> let's we're just gonna give him baking soda and walk out with, with five, five grand. it's going he's to like, work it's, it's going to work <laughs> and not only that he's like oh that'll be enough to fix the corvette yes mm, like yeah. literally we're talking. <laughs> this this is this is how dumb they are it's like okay so they decide to do that and it just goes so – oh, I love this scene. Walk into the house, greeted by a big black man mm-hmm. who is definitely, the, you know, the heavy, the, the, the bodyguard in a situation. <laughs> and none other than Alfred L- Molina. Alfred Molina. Who I was like, you know, hand me the Coke, I give you the idol. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alfredo, one of the great character actors ever. Like he's in uh, so many he's a things. Chameleon. He's a chameleon. chameleon. He's insane. You saw him in Red's Lost Ark, as you just said. You see him all over the place. This guy's crazy. Plays Doc. Doc. That's, Doc, Doc. Not Doc. Al- <laughs> That's, That's not Al- Alfred Molina. That is Alfred Molina. 
Yeah. That is Alfred Molina, for sure, 100%. What? And in, Alfred in Raiders Molina, of the Lost Ark? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, he, no, yeah. no, no, no. In I'm Boogie saying... Nights. In Boogie Nights, that is Alfred Molina. God, that's, that's crazy. Gar- guaranteed 100%. Yeah, in, in a career-defining performance for me. Well, he's in his underwear. <laughs> yeah. Just yes. yelling and screaming. He is perfect in that film. From Jesse's girl. He yeah. is. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, I have to tell you a story about Jesse's girl. So uh, speaking of the Valley and Jesse's girl. So uh, back when we used to live in Toluca Lake, there was a, uh, a Catholic school or a Catholic church that was near our house. And they had a Catholic school as well. And they would do a fundraising every spring where they would have, uh, you know, a, those, those fairs that come in that give the like little fair rides, you know, what I'm talking about the, yeah. little, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. About? right. And they would have like little, you know, fair games and then they would have people playing music and, you know, food from different ethnicities, you know, the same old thing. Right. And it feels very neighborhood kind of like, you know, Catholic school fair stuff. Right. right. Well, we got there, we showed up and one of the people that's, uh, uh, was met us as we walked in was, um, um, Eric Estrada. Oh yeah. From chips. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because Eric Estrada was there because his, bum, his bum, daughter bum, bum. daughter yep. went to that school, right? Nice, yes. And then all of a sudden, we start hearing Jesse's girl playing, yeah. and it sounds way better than any cover band I've ever heard because it turns out it was actually uh, – uh, what's his name? Um, Rick Springfield. Uh, Spring, Rick Springfield. His daughter went to that school. <laughs> so How so it was that? Rick Springfield was playing at the at the at the fair playing Jesse's girl. So um yeah. But anyway, you walk into this house which is outrageous. There is this Chinese guy who keeps lighting firecrackers constantly. Such a great touch. Constantly. Yeah. This as is this incredible. is going on and these guys are on edge because they just handed a half a kilo of baking powder to this big black man and are asking for five grand yeah. in return. And like, this is going to go very wrong. <laughs> this is good. And so, so they're sitting there on that couch and clearly Alfred Milena's character is high as hell. Yeah. And, and he's in a robe and some spooky underwear and just like, I, I would, have you guys ever been to a party that felt like I don't belong here and I just want like, to get this fuck out? Yeah, let's go before it goes sideways. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is it. And this yeah. is the, this scene is so long and so tense. Every time a firecracker so goes long. off, the audience was like jumping. Right. Yeah, it's incredible. And there is a there is a there's a great scene basically like <laughs> So they're going through this process, right? <laughs> they've handed they've handed the the coke, the the fake coke to the guy. They ask him, how much do you want for it? And the guy says, well, maybe like, I was thinking like, like, like five, five grand. And Lena thinks about it, thinks about it. And you're all freaking out like, oh, shit, shit, shit. And you're like, five grand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And so the guy comes back with another bag with five grand in it. And the guy's furiously counting the money. I love this scene. This scene is amazing. It's a great furiously counting through the scene. And Alfred Millen keeps talking about the music that he's listening because people don't 
He says, the, the damn musicians want you to hear these songs in their order, and I don't want to hear it in order. I want to hear it in my order, which right. is basically what iTunes uh, allowed you to do. Right. Which I don't know if iTunes – no, iTunes was not around in 1997. But it's basically what happened. That's right? what happens. Right. I'm also, by and, the way, I'm putting in chat right now um, the meme uh, that I always put up uh, regarding the scene. If people click on that, please enjoy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold on, what's the name? It's, uh, it's uh, me talking about Return of the Jedi, only done as this scene from Boogie Nights. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 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 so anyway, um, very good. Um, so then what happens is um, as all this is happening, <clears throat> they pretty much might be able to get away and – uh, they're playing Jesse's Girl. Yes. Which is a song about you wanting what someone else has. Yep. Right. Right. And you feel bad about wanting that thing, but right. that's what you want. And it's a long take on Marky Mark's character. Sorry, I keep calling him Marky Mark. I'm going to call him Marky Mark forever. That's the way it is. Marky Mark and the Happening. There it is. Yeah. Well, he definitely is a Marky Mark character in this film, right. but it's just a long take of him listening to the song and listening to what's going on, even though he's terrified inside, right? It's gorgeous, gorgeous stuff, right? Which point they're just about ready to leave, just about ready to get out of there when things are going to get really sour. And what's the guy, the guy, the, the, the one idiot says, no. I want more. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we get safe in the bedroom. Sister Christian. <laughs> Sister Christian, right. Sister Christian playing. And Sister that's Christian. when Molina really catches fire. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, I don't want just the five grand. I want you to go to the safe in the bedroom and give me everything that's in there. Like, and he oh, has a, a gun. fucking safe in the fucking floor like, of the fucking bedroom. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And they're like, we have nothing to do with this. We have nothing to do with this. And Alfred Malone's like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. At which point it gets into another ridiculous situation where there's guns going off. His oh, character gets insanity, shot. Insanity, yeah. His character gets shot. gets shot. Stripper gets shot. Stripper gets shot. The stripper gets shot. The 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 uh the big but but he survives at this mm -hmm. point still. Yep. But they shoot the big black guy, right? Mm -hmm. The big black guy's down, mm -hmm. right? So now they're like, what the fuck? And they're hiding. Uh, 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 John C. Riley and, and uh, Marky Mark are hiding behind the bar. Like, they're just trying to let's just get out of here. Let's get out just of here. Just that dialogue itself was worth the admission ticket. He's like, I know. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At which point, it's like he decides, no, he's going to, he's got one gun and he's going to storm into the bedroom that is now locked because he wants the money in the safe, which right. is, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. Molina. Shotgun. Has a giant shotgun and he shoots him <laughs> in the fucking chest and blows him away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At which point they run out of the house, of course, which is what they should do. Mm -hmm. uh, Marlena is high and angry and decides shooting all of them. John C. Riley's character runs away. The uh, barely limping Corvette. <laughs> yeah, the Corvette barely starts. <laughs> barely starts. Like they're rolling it down the hill to get it started. And he's out of gas and he's basically on the side of the road. It's now early morning. His Corvette's out of gas. He's got nothing, nothing, nothing left. Mm -hmm. 
nothing left. Now, some, all of this apparently was based, I think, well, I had heard, it was based on the Wonderland murders. Yes, I think that's true. Think that because true. John Holmes was involved in the Wonderland murders. Yep. Yep. Right, and this is based on John Holmes. Yep. Well, yeah, they do talk about him because they do say Johnny Wad yep. uh, in the back of the truck uh, when they're going to Vegas. But it is um, the Wonderland murders, which um, basically, like, he stopped by John Holmes and was getting some drug money. But he right. left. But some people say he was part of that. It was pretty much the exact same type of scenario where they went in to try to rob this couple who had a lot of drug money. In the so, early 80s. So, right. uh, but it's this, a famous murder. This movie. Yeah, they made a movie, a Wonderland is, movie they made about it. This movie yeah. is based on a mockumentary that, 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 uh, Anderson did called Dirk Diggler. Right. It is. But he, uh, and that, is, that, that is based on a documentary stuff, about yeah. John Holmes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. But the murder scene that, scene called Wonderland Avenue where they go to the guy's house to try to rip him off and everyone gets killed yep. is what happened in Wonderland Avenue. Yeah. Okay. That's the real, that was the real life event. John. That was the real life, life event. And he, right. he escaped and right. they couldn't pin it on him. But the, the report was that he was hanging out with those two guys, right. but everybody died, including the people in the house. They went to right. rip him off right. and it went wrong. And yeah. that's what Wonderland Avenue, it became a, a book. I read the book because the, God, who was it? I met some guy. He actually wrote it. No, He's a writer for Rolling Stone. It was just when I lived in my apartment. Yeah. It's just craziness. Just wrong. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know that like, those, I can't, you know, I'm going to guess, but I know like not far. I've been up to Wonderland because we looked for a house there once right when Olivia was born. But that's up uh, when you go up Crescent Heights and you take a left. It's where Zappa's old house and right. there's a school there. But um, before Mulholland, but I, I know like everyone at that time, I know that Ronnie Wood and Bobby Womack lived, mm -hmm. had a house up there and all they did was uh, uh, cracking meth all day right. right? for months, like six months. Like literally they didn't leave the house and it was that type of thing. And they would go down to Wonderland or something to get the, the drugs. But a lot of people used to go to that place. Yeah. That was yeah. a famous drug uh, dealer's place. Mm -hmm. um, but so that's when I knew. Yeah. And so when I saw this again, I was like, oh yeah, it's exactly the kind of setup. So he pulled from that setup the kind of you know oh, sure absolutely i mean that's that's but that's, it is the great great scene yeah no, i mean and like a, if he points out in the chat like he says that you know alpha Marlena is like basically from a brian de palma movie <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> you know, i absolutely. still think the most brilliant part of that scene was the the kid with the firecrackers no, and then Molina just sort of throws off this weird little racist thing she goes like what are you gonna do he's chinese what the fuck are you talking about hugs him and grabs his behind no, it's so uh, it's so good. The whole scene is just fucking nasty, tense, it's ridiculous. So, oh, it's no, crazy. it's just gold. Just but pure the gold. best was John C. Riley and and Marky Mark on the couch, kind of like 
<laughs> and they feel the, the, the couch in, like swallows them. They're like yeah, totally it's small and so, it's yeah. brilliantly done. And the thing is, like, I'm like, I've always enjoyed uh, Thomas Jane is always fun when he shows up. Like, he's you know, he's in the Punisher movies, he's in some just randoms, he's in uh, The Expanse. You know, he's he's a he's a really fun character actor and action guy. Um, but like, this, I my my top two, my top three for Thomas Jane are uh, Boogie Nights. Um, the Expanse, and a movie that I just want to recommend very quickly on Prime. That if we should ever do a watch party, this should be uh, on this. I would be incredibly happy. Nemesis, which I had only recently seen, and is beyond classic '80s action. I've never seen a movie like it. And Thomas Jane is stripper. marvelous, marvelous in that movie. He's the guy that played the he, stripper friend with the mustache. Yes, yes, and he's not even the star <laughs> of the movie that I'm talking about, but he's just plain gold. The best part of that. <laughs> And they were walking up to the house and they're going up those steps and John C. I don't know if it was planned. John C. Riley slips on the step and he knocks the bag of drugs out of Jane's hand. And he's like, yeah. oh, he's to pick it up. They were like both like clumsy. He's like, slip. <laughs> bumbling morons. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, so I, I have a soft spot for like, I love when you have really dim witted, sweet characters and between so Marky Mark and John C. Riley, it's just well, like, he's like his lines, his lines about Napoleon during the Roman empire. Like it was oh so fucking funny. So good. So good. Like all of like, just in general, like everybody's sort like of he's like trying to sound smart and he's talking yeah, about Napoleon yeah. during the Roman empire. It's just, like, it's just so silly. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like an animal house when John Belushi says, you know, was it over when the, when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> he's on a roll. <laughs> he's on a roll. Yeah. All I right. love, I love that. So I want to get to the last, uh, the last act, which is what we're about to head into. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to run one more ad. Sorry, guys, just to have to do that. We have to try to run two ads per episode. So, all right. So we're going to take a little ad break mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about morning in Reseda. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Amen. Love it. All right. So we're now in the ad phase for those of you guys who are listening on the podcast, or whatever. Sorry about that. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, we need to talk about watch party at some point. So I think the next one, Eric, you're out of town next week, right? Yeah. Okay. So we'll do a watch party and we'll try to think of something that we can do where, you know, maybe it's okay if you're not in, in part of the watch party. And Dan and I can just take care of that. Dan, you're available next week, right? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, um, I, I, I'm going to put actually in, um, uh, in the chat uh, for people that uh, are subscribers, I'm going to say I'm gonna putting in the Nemesis trailer. I'm going to say we should do Nemesis because it's it's on Prime. It's it, it is on Prime. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's really I, that, that would be my vote anyway. I'm gonna, uh, All right. Well, maybe I'll see if Toby wants to pe talk about Splinter at some point because that's oh, dude, be yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I actually was, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I, it was interesting to hear about that movie because I actually helped him. Well, not helped him, but I, he was, you know, he was cool about like trying to figure out how to get this thing done. So I was kind of listening to him talking about the struggles and, 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 and challenges of making a movie for a million dollars at that time. And it was like yep. pretty fucking good. You know? No, it's great. No, I, I, I saw that sight, just sight unseen. I was just like, Oh, this looks really cool. And I was like, Holy yeah. shit. Like that is how to fucking, I mean, like, that's that, how to be that efficient. The thing that I That's used to talk efficient about. filmmaking, efficient. my friend. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like this is genuinely scary, beautifully put together, good and nasty fun, and uh, and they make the most of their budget. Like I couldn't believe it. It's a real landmark movie for me to say. So I'm very, I'm impressed with that guy. Please tell him for me. 
That is nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice well, we'll nice see. Work. We'll see what uh, what goes on. And here I'm putting the, this is the trailer for Nemesis for people in the chat who nice. can't see it right because they're seeing an ad, but uh, right. hopefully they'll click on it anyway. Nemesis is so 80s; it's beyond description. I think it actually came out in 1990, but it is the culmination. Of the culmination of all 80s of 80s beauty it's really right. stunning it's really stunning and actually kind of cool in a very uncool silly way all right well we're done with the ads at this point so if those of uh, those of you guys who were listening uh and you're interested in uh uh helping us come up with some watch party stuff we'd like to do that dan suggested nemesis from which i put the trailer in the chat for people who want to check it out in the story. chat and uh, we'll we'll go through that. But again, remember, we'd love to have your suggestions. This is your opportunity to do that. All right, back to Boogie Nights. So the now the Corvette is on the side of the road by the L.A. River, run out of gas, shot up to hell, and he barely has anywhere to go. Yeah, and he walks back to um, Jack's house, yep. Burt Reynolds' house. The only place and he can go. The only place he can go and asks for his help and his forgiveness mm-hmm. in a very, very, int- like, you know, as good as he can do with his limited vocabulary. Yeah. In a genuinely moving scene. That and is, a long, uh... long pause as mm-hmm. Jack sits there and listens to him talk. And Jack takes him in his arms, which is as like, you almost expect this scene from uh, Goodfellas, where he's like, hands him a wad of money and says goodbye. This is now we got to wash my hands. No, now I got to turn my back on you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. But he right. doesn't do that. He basically just, yep. you know. And I'm going to say that right here, this scene, you know, Reynolds is great. Everybody's really, it's a great scene, right? Mm-hmm. I think, and, you know, God bless Reynolds, uh, rest in peace. I think this is what he didn't like in this movie is that. His character is more emotionally accessible than any character he had ever played. And I think it upset him. (laughs) Like he has never played a character like that in his life. And when he saw it reflected back on screen, he was embarrassed and self-conscious and tried to distance himself from the experience. Because it's not like he didn't know what it was about. He knew what the movie was about. And it's obviously really I I I think I think possibly when you see that glimmer in his eye and he sees Marky Mark busing tables yeah he nailed the pornographer kind of vibe where mm-hmm. he has this kind of sleazy and i think that might have scared him yeah exactly there's too because much he of, was like... so like it was almost like you could say oh that's typecast which right. probably offended him yeah like there's there's too much uh too much real like glimmer reynolds in this movie yeah it's like there's real yeah. reynolds in this movie unlike any other movie and uh, I think it probably it probably freaked him out a little bit and uh, and made him mad. And it's it's too bad because it really is it's of his top two or three best performances in his entire career. That's superb. Yeah. Did he fire his agent after this? He did. Yes. He did. Really amazing. I was just like and now he deny he denies all of his disdain for this film because he's obviously been celebrated in the industry. Oh yeah. I mean, before he died, he was just like, he had come to terms with this experience, but at right. that, at that point it was a very, it was a weird turning point for him because he had not uh, been famous for some time. When I think it's kind of an interesting thing. If you think about it, it's like my performance was so good. I'm not used to doing that and something must've gone wrong. Right. Or right. something happened. Right. Yeah. Something, exactly. something in his brain said, I don't know what this is, but because this he wasn't in control. He probably right. said his age, probably said every decision you've made has screwed you you could have gotten an oscar you could have been han solo 
Right. Let me make the decision for you. You're going right. to do this. This is a great director, right. young director. And uh -huh. he fought it probably tooth and nail. And then yep. he was like, screw this. And then I don't like the way I look. I'm a pornographer. Right. Well, then, they, they, so I, from what I understand. He nailed it. I mean, how could you do such a good performance? And, and then it. and then not see it, not realize because, it was a because good you're self conscious. Like you, you know, it's just like you always like you always look fatter in the mirror than you think you are. You know, like you can't look at. It's hard for people that are in a self conscious state to yeah. see the value of what the the value of their real work, and uh, and so it's sort of ironic for Reynolds to be in this movie that heavily deals with that subject. You know, and like where, where like you know you have all these characters that are insanely self conscious people who right. break through their self-consciousness because they are involved in um, each other's lives in a positive way and doing art that they're very proud of. And he is in that very scene making this movie and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't take it. I mean, I can't uh, dime store psychoanalysis on, on Reynolds, but I'm just like, I, I really wonder what was going through his mind that he, that he thought that this was embarrassing. Like it's really right. just incredible. I, what I was saying, well, I think it's because he sold he you see him look and go in and try to say hey how you doing jack horner filmmaker right he right. was so convincing like as a pornographer of a sleazy right. director that right. it probably like man i, I was too natural it. for me yeah. Well, yeah hold on so dave three says i read an interview where reynolds uh where he said he didn't like the subject matter of the film and had friends destroyed in the porn in the, in the porn world so okay that may be the case, but he knew what the film was because yeah, I mean, he's fucking read the script, read the script right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. Now, so now, it's really so, about how he how he convinced. So convinced was he hoping he that basically he would play that character and convince people that the porn industry was horrible? But when he saw the edit, it somehow glorified it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to tell. I think that there's more. Like it feels like there's more of an ego. Because this whole ending, by the way, this whole ending is like the happy Hollywood ending. Yeah. Right. Ironically, as well, like it's right. the ironic happy Hollywood ending yep. where everyone is at their lowest point and somehow they all get back together as a happy family, right. happy family of pornographers. Right. 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 Well, yeah. And so maybe that's it. Like the, like, and I know that him and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson like butted heads when they were shooting because, like, you know, Reynolds has been in the industry, had been in the industry for a zillion years, knew exactly how to do all this stuff. And right. here's this young kid who's never really, like, never really made like a, you know, like basically never made a movie from Reynolds' point of view. Like, who the fuck is this kid? You know, and, uh, and the kids like make him just, oh, we're going to do this and this and this. And Reynolds, like, they got into a fight over this stuff. Just like, right. I know what I'm talking about, kid. You don't know what you're doing. And like, uh, and it's, you know, it's one of these things where I like, yeah, I can see the, like, if you don't, there's no way to know that the person you're working with is, you know, you know, in, on the Orson Welles train is actually one of the great filmmakers. You know, he's 25 years old. Like, you can't just say like, oh yeah, he's a genius. Like, you don't even know. He's made like one pretty good movie. And like, right. now you're making another one. So I understand like Reynolds, you know, having a, uh, you know, butting heads with a kid, but at the same time, like the way that he sort of aggressively pushed himself away from the movie afterwards. I'm like, you, this is a, this is clearly a good movie and people are like, he wins the fucking golden globe for it. You know? And I'm just like, at some point you have to reassess, like maybe I'm seeing this the wrong way. Like people are obviously responding to this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Dave said, Dave says, I think you didn't really understand what the film was really about until much later. Yeah. I think that's probably fair. I mean, like, and like, it's it probably in some ways was a little bit too like it's like 
many directors cast actors because not because of their talent, but because of the sort of the what what they bring along with them historically, like their own their own personal lives or whatever. Like you put Tom Cruise in Eyes Wide Shut because of Tom Cruise and his own personal history. That's why it's that's why he's in that movie. Or sure. another Kubrick movie with um, Barry Lyndon. The reason why you cast, um, you know, uh, what's his face, who's not a great actor, and it's Patrick. kind of a, yeah, like well, like what well, it's kind of a simp, you know, and, and Ryan, uh, yeah, Ryan Ryan um, Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. Now Ryan O'Neill has been great. Like he has been great. Like he's great in Paper Moon and whatnot. But like you don't cast him in fucking Barry Lyndon. He's a, he's going to be a uh, he's going to be he's going to be exactly who Barry Lyndon is. And he is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like there's an, an aspect of this where they're casting Reynolds because Reynolds is a has-been at that point. And, uh, and there's a has-been-ish quality to his character that is being imported from his real life. And that's probably not clear on the page. And It's, it's very not a has-been. The- it's a cheesy yeah, and the cheesiness. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff. The negative aspects that, that Reynolds was criticized And he's for the epitome of 70s. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I think that that's, that's what probably made it pretty hard for Reynolds, you know, because Reynolds was used to being like, he's, he's a guy that you think you know, it made him look like they were mocking. Then he felt as, like he, if he was self conscious, he was being mocked, all, he was, he was being mocked like being for mocked. being Burt Reynolds. Right, right. You know, and when, like, because yeah, exactly. he's actually adored. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone. And he's incredible in the movie. You know, it's just like, I feel like, I feel bad. Like, I, I ride Ryan O'Neill pretty hard for Barry Lyndon because right. he is. Like the reason to cast him in Barry Lyndon is because there's no way that he can handle a, I'll just a put role it like way. that. He has been right. great in other things. And I don't mean to be an asshole about it. Like so, so, so there is a scene that we didn't talk about, which was basically the colonel gets busted by the cops because oh, yeah. he right. had another yeah. he had another situation where someone overdosed, and then uh, so uh, Burt Reynolds goes to go check uh, talk to him in jail. It's like yeah, yeah, I'll help you out. It's like there's another thing that happened they looked through my apartment and I found, they found something and pretty much you find out that he is a pedophile and has a bunch of things. That yeah, he's done. Just, just creepy. And the way creepy that they shit. play it is just like ultra creepy. So ultra creepy. Yeah. At which point realize he's talking to Burt Reynolds, a pornographer. Right. This guy has seen everything, right? Yeah. A lot of drugs. At which point there is a line. Yeah, and Bird Reynolds. This, Bird more, Reynolds. There's a line guy. that he draws in no. the sand. He goes, "I make pornography, but but that's between it, adults, and it's and and you know, I like bad innately." He bad. hangs up the phone on the one guy who's giving him money. Yeah, right. It's and he like hangs up the phone on the guy, and he's like, "Nope, I can't do that." Right. Yeah, and I that was that was a very strange. I don't. I, I, it's it's a thing that like that happened. It's like no. Um, yeah, because like I think that that Reynolds like is so shocked that this is going on, and right. that you know, like that he is like I don't think I have, he's shocked because he's seen everything. Is like no, that's well, not yeah, he doesn't no, want to be part of it. He doesn't want to be yeah. Like he's he's shocked down. that this guy that he's known for years is involved in anything like this. And uh, no, and it's, no, no, I don't I think don't, he is. I don't think he was shocked. He brought him money. So yeah, he brought yeah. him. Yeah. And so again, what, like, you know, like, like, the line. I think he's that's the line. It comes to this moment, like like the scene essentially asks for Reynolds if he has integrity or not, and Reynolds is like, "I have integrity, and I'm hanging up on this guy. Like, I can't be a part of that. Like, I can't be a part of that anymore. I have to be honest with like myself about things that are real and good. That's that's the end of it, you know. And and I think that like his his character is really 
very is noble is a really noble person right. in that movie you know and uh and without him and uh like without him being the great father figure and marky mark's mother being the awful mother figure those right. are the sort of the that those are the two poles energetically that drive this movie and right. i know that uh she has a very small role but uh, the actor we were talking about very before, important but she is like the fight with marky mark early on when she's just right. like tearing down all the posters off his wall it's like it's sort of like it's a silly scene because Marky Mark says, "Why are you doing?" He sounds like he sounds like a weird, ridiculous little kid. But at the same time, you feel like he is real sadness for him, like he's being yes. destroyed, you know. And His without only that, identity that he has, right? And so, like, and having all that literally being pulled down and like uh, pulled down out of his heart, and then uh, that one scene motivates both his uh, positive and his negative mo- movements. Right. And with Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds and Julianne Moore, but Burt Reynolds, like, give him stability to find himself again. Like, right. and, uh, and because Burt Reynolds stands up and is a good person, you know, and yep. rejects this, and the scumbag lets him guy. back, lets him back into his life. Right. 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 Let's him back in his life. It's like, I'll help you. And in fact, he goes back to his mother, Julianne right. Moore. Right lays on her lap and she comforts him and yep. she's like you're home you're fine you're safe right which is very strange if you think about it but really after if you think about it literally it's very weird it, yeah, it's exactly. very but you've gone through this journey for two and a half hours and it feels like oh you know you you've made some mistakes and but that's okay your family still loves you right which is so strange yep. so strange and then anyway so you go back to the scene and now there's another you know you go through basically uh, uh, finding out what happened to everyone in a very in 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 in, in this. It's a very short fifth act, but it it's pretty beautiful. The guy, the guy, the pedophile is in jail and being beat up uh, mm-hmm. in jail. Um, Don Cheadle has opened his stereo store and is he doing took the money a, from the donut shop. <laughs> took the money from the donut shop. That's it, and is doing a commercial. With his friends yes. who did a pornography, so like you know, Scotty is doing sound and, right. and, 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 and exactly, and and and, and Julian Moore is directing it, and it's just like yes. he's fucking working now. Look at this; yeah. everyone's yeah. doing what they want, which is kind of like a little bit like, oh wait, this Hollywood ending is a little strange, but it somehow feels really good. It's right? no, it's the right thing. It's like this is it's like the right in the terms do. of the movie, it's the right thing to do. This is like everyone right. should. And things like for my own for my own Hollywood experience, right? And I think people like would agree with this. It's like everyone who is, you know, come to Hollywood to try and make movies and do the whole thing. Like everyone samples some part of the Boogie Nights experience, like not porn, but like the emotional ride that you're on is you connect with it very strongly. And if you, uh, if you make it all the way through that journey, you do end up at the place where you're fucking shooting commercials with John Don Cheadle and feel great about what you're doing. Right. You know, like that's like, that's actually the place of peace, you know, where it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's all the fame and the stardom and the blonde and all the badness and all the shittiness and being denied and all that stuff. But if you come back around to like, I actually just love this stuff. I just love doing it. Then it doesn't matter if you're famous or not. It doesn't make any difference. Like you're doing right. the thing you love with people that you love to be with. You're home free. You're home. That's the idea. Right. And there's basically but, a now. A, a, sorry, go ahead. Going back to the speed, you had mentioned earlier, Chris, that it was a three-hour cut, and then they reduced it to two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I think that could be possibly the the cut that you see is the studio cut, where everything is so sped up at the end in terms of like 
putting a cap on it, there was kind of, right. as you talk about that fifth act, like happening, like it's pretty brisk. It's, it's brisk. Right. And I'm wondering yeah. if that's a studio cutting a half hour out. I they don't know what it is. I know that, that they, you know, there was, I think there was a lot of gnarly stuff that was cut out too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, I think it works the way that it does. I don't think it needs like the Lord of the Rings, you know, no. five, five closures. No, no, no. It, and in fact, I, I actually think it's, it's about the right speed. Right. right? And basically the whole pinnacle of it comes down to the last scene or the last yeah, thing. But I'm just saying that it, the resolution of the, all the characters yep. as it is, is in an extremely different pace yeah, than right. everything and else. And, it, and it it's is. buttoned up in a way that is not buttoned up and put a boat on with a, putting a bow on it in the way that the first, you know, three quarters no, of the movie. It does. So You're right. I'm, You're what right. I'm saying is I'm not saying he didn't edit it. I'm just saying they probably were like, Okay, if they're going to put pressure on him yet yeah, to cut it. Oh, cut all those sex scenes out. We right. don't need to see Cheadle at the hospital with a baby being born, going back to the house and celebrating. Right. Or right. like, so all those things where you see everything, you know, doing the commercial right. and everything, yep. they probably cut it out until just yeah. give it to them in the end and get out of the picture. Well, yeah. and I think it's, I think that if you're, if you're the director in that situation, if you're Anderson, like if they're putting pressure on you to cut stuff, that's the place to cut it. Cause you don't want to cut for, I'm sure that he received a lot of pressure to cut the firecracker scene, like, which is like oh, 25 yeah. minutes long, you this know, it goes really long. Yeah. But it's like, but, but, it's like, but it, is, it, is, it is the most, it is where you feel the most emotional yeah. fear. Of like that. this is, this yeah. is the, you understand this stuff because I mean, everybody who's making a movie is going to come up against the studio in some way because the studio is going to be like, we can't have a fucking forearm. Yeah. Movie, the know? magician, John C. Right. Riley, right. just cut it to like what everybody's doing. See you later. Yeah. Right, and right. That's, that's why that's, that that's a great gag though. Yeah. Is oh, it's, it's my favorite. Naughty, right. naughty. But it's just it comes at a different pacing. <laughs> right. Like, okay, you're kind of wrapping everything up here. Right. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And, yeah. So um, basically, yeah. So John C. Riley's character just so you know it becomes my a personal magician. take, and yeah. I am not the genius of P.T. Anderson, but I would have done like the John C. Riley, all those guys with the stereo shop prior. And then have Marky Mark walk into the house and hug Bert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I get you. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like, right. everybody's yeah. gone on and then have him. And have solve. that be the. the but punch. no, I think yeah. it was good. Uh, well, I see what you're saying, but I kind of like. And the then fact on the couch, he, and she's rubbing his head. And saying, I like the on. fact that he came right out of his car into the house. Like, he didn't take I a I understand beat. that. Right. But I'm saying if you just kind of make his ending like that and yeah, not like. Yeah. Because I felt like when he was showing, because everybody wanted to see the penis at the end, you know, or what's this, but not showing it at all. So is uh, kind of cool because you think you, your imagination goes and then it can help, you know, create something about that character by giving it away. It was almost like they should have done it earlier, but I don't feel like that was a great, great, great ending, even though he feels like he was back in the game. I'd rather right. see him just saying, I'm back in the family. And that's right. why if he, you just right. did that's it with that with Bert, you would have right. wrapped it up. And who knows? He could have done movies. Probably he was because that's what Bert, how Bert made his money. Right. But right. you didn't need to show that. You just needed to show him coming to this emotional kind of 360 and not show what he did so much, but what he did as, as a, for a career, his penis, and not rely on his penis to get him through or rely on his emotion and heart like – I right. want a family. You are this. Right, and right, it's right. not about my penis. But yeah, they made it about the penis at the end, which kind of deflated him a bit. 
Right. Because I really love the bird scene. And the thing is, man, like it's much, I mean, it's more appropriate in other movies to end on the penis. But in this case, perhaps the emotional beat would have been the way to go. Yeah, no, the, the, the Eric Shealy alt cut, I think is a valid, it's a valid criticism. Because right. uh, you would have... look at him differently and like him right. because you do like him during the whole movie because he says stupid things, yeah, but you yeah, root for him. Right. And, right. you know, that's all. But you could oh, see there's a little to... speed. I wonder if like an executive was saying, rah, 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 and just bothering the shit out of <laughs> that P.T. Is, Anderson. That is, definitely ex- that is a perfect uh, imitation of executive talk. By the way, that is <laughs> how they sound. The, um, hi, uh, hi, this is Judy. Listen, <laughs> I love the film PT. Listen, I just feel like it's so great. long. <laughs> and I was talking to Frederick, and it's just like we got to cut some scenes in that look because we love, me we, love the, we love the picture. This is not me we talking. love it, and it's wanna, like, we have everyone, to cut scenes. Everyone, we need to see it's because it's, 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 distribu- it's, it's the distributors. It's the distributors. Distributors. And even Bird agrees. Really, you talk to Bird. Well, I haven't talked to Bird, but. Look, yeah, Bird but agrees. But I'm friends with anyway. You, let's say, <laughs> I know he'll agree. He hasn't literally exactly. told me he agrees. Bird hates the movie, by the way. Anyway, good night. <laughs> I, I do oh, want to throw in that uh, Dave 3D has put out that uh, he there are a few deleted scenes up on YouTube uh, that you can check out. Then Dave has put it in the um, in the chat, and also yeah. I believe, and Dave can check me on this. I believe that Dave and I both know, um, or at least are friends with the a, a person who. Uh, is friends with uh, and actually married to, I believe, the person who sculpted the penis for Marky Mark. So okay. there is a martini giant connection to that ending shot that we are quite proud of. All right. So <laughs> uh, what happened, basically, there's a long take at the end where he's walking, where, where Britt Reynolds is walking to the house and everyone has come together at the house. Uh, 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 Guzman is making uh, Puerto Rican food in the kitchen they're setting everything up for another shoot. There's a baby playing in the the baby, of course, of uh, Don Cheadle's baby is uh, playing in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, baby pee in the pool. The, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Which Love is it. funny of all things, right? Uh, and then, uh, of course, Julianne Moore is getting ready uh, for her sex scene with Marky Mark again. So back to the yeah, back, to, back home. The right, right? place, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she is looking very gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And he says, you look gorgeous. You're the foxiest lady around. Yep. And she says the most wonderful things to her and, you know, tells her and she's looking at it. And then, of course, you go back to where uh, 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 Marky Mark was in, in the beginning of his first sex scene, except now he's looking at himself in the mirror and he's prepping and he's clean. Clearly he's not on Coke anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's running his lines <laughs> for a porn scene, which so are good. so cheesy. Hilarious. Yeah. So good. So, so good. cheesy, but he's running his lines for the porn scene. But at the same time, he's there's a little bit of something in that cheesiness that reflects back how he feels. It's really well done, really well written, Hard really well done. Yeah, it is like that is an all round like you And I agree with Eric, like you don't need the fucking penis at the end. I yeah, I for a button, I'm all for it. I think it's hysterical. Like, I don't think that's part of the emotional ride of the film. I think that's right. Because like what happens if those of you who don't watch it, he gets up, he he's like, I'm ready to go. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, and he pulls yeah. down his pants and you see a giant prosthetic penis. Yeah, that is, but it's that's hysterical. that's your screensaver, isn't it? That no, it's on my phone. Chris? But yeah, like regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, on my phone, yes, because yes, it's, 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 it's vertical. It's, it's a vertical frame. It's, yeah, it's portrait. Yeah. But yeah, the, uh, like, I, I think that that's just a great, I think really the movie does end, and like the movie emotionally ends in the scene previous to that. And that scene is just like a button for the, like the, the value of the, of, of, of just sort of like 
ta-da, it's the ta-da at the end of the movie. And I don't, I don't really... It's a little cheesy. Like, I don't... It's, yeah, I think it's either. great. That's why I, mean, I agree that it's cheesy. That's why it's kind of funny. Well, but that's like, the thing, like, right? When that movie came out, everyone kept talking about it. I was like, oh, my God, did you see the penis at the end? And I was like, oh, oh it wasn't a real penis. It was like, a prosthetic. I was like, oh, I can't believe he admitted it was like, prosthetic. He should have said it, does, it was his real penis. You show, <laughs> my thing was, it's like, I, my, I've seen it so many times. But on this one, I was like, ah, he's still a knucklehead. Whereas, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, maybe he could yes. be something different. It was right. just like, okay. That's why if it was just a cut, cut, or not... I don't know. It's by seeing. It's almost like seeing the the white whale. You know what I mean? You don't need to <laughs> so speak. Just, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you don't need to. It's right. almost better yeah, that you it. don't, but because the whole movie is based around it. Right. That's his specialty, and not seeing it is. Yeah. It's cool. a, leave the legend in the mind. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like I, I think that this this movie is such a for like. You know, like filmically, yes, it is. Because I remember when it came out, it was criticized for being essentially a, a stylistic ripoff of uh, Scorsese, in particular Goodfellas. And it's true. Like, that, it's, that is what it is. You know, like it has needle drops and cuts that way. And obviously that's who he loves. Like 100%. Uh, he's, uh, it's like a little bit sloppy. It's a little bit whatever. But this movie is so on point in terms of its character story and handles so much uh richness in those interrelationships that there's not too many movies in the world like this you know and the and to to set it in the war in such a ridiculous uh yeah. like let's make let's make it a movie about family only it's about porn workers you know in the 70s like it's just hysterical like, like that's a perfect setup um uh for for a gag movie and instead they play a very very meaningful heartfelt movie that really works that works better as a family movie a movie about yeah. family than most movies that are literally about family yeah it's like the yeah. adams family except instead of monsters yeah. it's pornography it's porn <laughs> like it's just the porn part is 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 only on the surface to make the whole movie feel silly and bizarre right. um and then the the real and movie and about Dutch. the valley in the yeah. 1970s yeah which right is which is where he grew though. up Right, you grew up in the valley, so yeah, that's a, it's a strange world out there. It's a strange world. Mm -hmm. God bless all Martini Giant listeners who live in the valley. <laughs> I live in the I live in the valley. <laughs> it's a strange world. <laughs> yep. But yeah, yep. that's a, that's a fine yep. fine picture. I obviously I I uh, I'm a giant fan of all the rest of his movies. In particular, there will be blood, which is is matchlessly well made. Like it's just a perfect film. But yeah. perfect this, this where. It, this this one is where my Boogie Nights is where my heart lies. I have to. There would be a much much better movie in every way than Boogie Nights, but Boogie Nights is where my heart lies. <laughs> That's yeah. just how that works. All right. Well, we. I actually have to uh, get going. I have something I have to do. So unfortunately, I'm going to make sure that we are doing a hard out. Okay. Uh, I love that. For, for which is a apropos for the, this movie. I do um, want to take two seconds to recommend Bo Burnham's Inside on Netflix, which I think is one of the best things I've seen in many years. That's the end of my statement. Yes. On Netflix? On Netflix. Bo Burnham, it's a comedy special, one hour long, called Inside. That's it. We'll talk I about it. Saw, I saw a Korean sci fi film that oh, was. Oh, you saw Space Weepers. Space Weepers yeah, was fun. It's fucking great. What a great movie. Space I recommend that. What? Space, Space Weepers. Weepers. Great movie. Great Sweeper. movie. Yep. Yeah. Korean sci-fi. It's, it's very it's totally very, it's, silly uh, family movie. Movie about family. Yeah, it's a fa right? it's a family. It's a it's like it it's it reminds me of like the good old fashioned fun movies from the eighties and and seventies that were fun it's to watch. Blast. 
So I can Brady, watch it with heartfelt, my daughter. silly, oh, absolutely, meaningful. absolutely. Right. Brady, Brady wanted to watch it. We watched it together. It is, it is a great Sunday night right. okay. film. Quickly, and right. for everybody, Dan, you had mentioned a movie, a show called Lost Boys, or no, on what? on HBO Lost. or Lost Boys or the Something Boys or something. It's on, on HBO. HBO or Prime. Think about it. It was okay. It wasn't, I'll come back to it. It wasn't the Lost Boys. It was something like that, and it was a television show series. I can't, I'm sorry that I'm not uh, paying. Okay, that, but yeah. I have asked you guys for several years. Mm-hmm. I know you guys haven't started it yet to watch Forever on Prime. Yes, that's true. I still have not seen this. What is it? Forever? I've seen Forever. No. With, yes, with I Maya, have. Maya Rudolph. And- it's a show. Yes. I have not seen this. No, I haven't seen it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I do mean to see this. This uh, does. I, I, I have love, asked I for a long time. I love Maya Rudolph. Get through about three or four episodes way, before you start to realize what this is about. Because mm-hmm. this is pretty much the most existential thing I've seen uh, done for a while. That sounds amazing. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, so I'm asking you to watch. I know it's a commitment, but to watch three or four episodes, All right. and then you, we can talk about it next time. All right, and uh, and definitely watch Bo Burnham Inside. It's an hour long. I have a lot to say about that. It's all ragingly positive. It's amazing. All right, all right, okay. And uh, for uh, all of our listeners, obviously, you guys know where to follow us. Uh, we are uh, available, obviously, on all the social media channels, Marti- uh, facebook.com slash martini giant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter is facebook.com or at martini giant. Instagram is underscore martini, martini underscore, underscore giant. Giant martini underscore giant. And on Twitch, it's also. Uh, we have another podcast coming out on Wednesday. Martini underscore giant. We do have another podcast coming out on Wednesday uh, for you guys listening. But I also want to remind you that obviously we do have a great new website, martinigiant.com, available there, including our great merch store. And we would love, uh, you know, for you guys to show them shirt. Our, oh, right. Here I am. I am wearing a Martini Oh, my God, Giant Chris. T-shirt. How do you Where'd like you that shirt? Where'd you get that incredible shirt? It is an incredible I, uh, shirt. It is a nice it shirt. It looks great. It yep. does look great. Yep. I'm shocked. Awesome. It is I'm great. Take a look at it. You see a shirt? That's Chris. He's one That's- of my co-hosts. Yeah, it's so good. I I, uh, I will be. I'll have my Martini Giant mug next time. I'm sorry. I, I don't have any of the stuff yet. I'm going to be broadcasting from my shower with the Martini Giant shower. Curtain. I do want to see. Well, Erica, she's she's uh, she's in uh, uh, in uh, in Vancouver. She said she bought a beach towel. So I'm oh, the beach towel looks cool. Towel. I'm going to get that yeah. next for sure. And then yeah. uh, our our good friend Bernie in Berlin said he tried to buy a T-shirt to see if it gets through the German customs. So we'll have to get a report back from him to see how that goes. No oh, man, yes. But yeah, definitely buy some merch. We'd love to be able to. By the way, Wednesday, there's going to be some good images of you guys. I can't wait. It's going to be good. Did you see them, the ones I sent with you guys in the trucks? So, yep. so good, so good, so, fantastic! The, That's a good, the good episode, episode coming out on Wednesday is going to be our, our Return of the Jedi and uh, 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 Mad, Mad Max Fury Road episode. So yeah, the uh, Rogue One yeah. and Mad Max Fury Road. Sorry, that's right. Rogue yep. One and Mad Max Fury Road. I got some Dan stuff that's re- and Chris stuff that's very There's funny. Fun so check stuff. it out. Fun stuff. Yes. The car ones are great posters. 
The, uh, they are definitely yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, so please, uh, please uh, tweet us about uh, things you'd like us to cover. Please tweet yep. us uh, uh, just in general because we are very active on uh, on the tweets. Um, right. But we are also going to be doing. Obviously, we do. Uh, we take ideas for shows. We also do, uh, as we brought up earlier, um, watch parties, um, yep. which, which we're going to be continuing. Send us ideas for watch parties when you go through the Amazon Prime list, the free things on Prime. If they're right. silly and you don't mind us talking over them, do that. We're going to be doing one coming up. I'm going to make a pitch for it to be Nemesis, which is in the right. chat, and you'll get a good example of what we're looking for. Please check it out. And if you go, if uh, Eric, bring up that port, uh, the, the the sketch you did because I want to bring that up as one more time. As oh. Well. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you guys subscribe to the show to us on Twitch, Eric Twitch. will per personally email you uh, a a, uh, a image, a portrait, and what is Whoever... which, which which portrait is that? One? That is Paul this Thomas is Anderson. I understand. It's a P.T. Anderson portrait that he did. He's yeah. Sketching. He will and he will put it in the mail for you. So there it is. Yeah. So I do them like different sketches of people for the shows. So we can, uh, you know, we'll start giving away if you subscribe. You know, yep. if you subscribe, they'll yep. come. So nice. we got one going out to X-ray, and we'll get more out. Yeah, X-ray. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, Here's one, but this is not for the show, but I'll start doing more like these too. So That's you guys great. Can see. Look at this. Beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah, you look know? at that. So if you want some good, cool, free artwork, tell your friends about Martini Giant and uh, talk about us on uh, Facebook and uh, and please spread the word and think about subscribing. You know, the, the bonuses will get ever greater. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so a new series of artworks coming out in the merchandise shop, yeah. which I'll share with you guys this week. That's going to be All exciting. Right. All right. I'm Dan, going to go I ahead. need to talk to you after the show. Is that possible I call you? Yeah, you got to hang on. No sweat. Okay. All right. I'm going to wrap up the show, and uh, I'll say goodnight to everyone. So, all right. Thank so you, guys. It was a wonderful talk. Oh, man. Did we already do it? Okay. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. I'm going to start over. Okay, ready? Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.